Here, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Taste sounds tasty. Goo does not sound tasty. I wonder if goo, or which like goo original here in the French. Ah. I wonder if that sounds tasty in French. Goo original. It's interesting. I wonder if it sounds like something else that you would connect with some taste. Yeah, I mean, maybe you just connect it because it's a word you connect to. Goo. Goo. But, if but I also s- probably goo doesn't mean goo in... No, no, no. It was, so we have that connection. <laughs> no, uh, goo in French is tasty. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Sneaky Dragon. My name is David Dedrick. Bonjour. Moi, je m'appelle Ian Boothby. Ah, bonvenue. Ah, come see, come see. <laughs> Je m'appelle David. The pamplemousse say sous la table. <laughs> well, I'm glad to know. It's always good to know where the grapefruit is. Yeah, because you want to know. You want to have your eye on the grapefruit at all times. I am uh, a little bit allergic to grapefruit now. So You're allergic not to really, grapefruit? Not really allergic, but it, uh, go, it um, uh, nullifies my medicine that I'm on. So I can't uh, have grapefruit juice or it just goes, hey, you know that medicine that saves your life? Yeah. Eh, let's get rid of that. That's what grapefruit juice says. But hey, I replace it with uh, bad tasting juice. (laughs) So how's that sound for you? Um, Like an orange that hates you. I just have to say this. My wife also... Please don't crack your knuckles in front of me. You know I have a broken (laughs) hand. That was my neck. By the way, I've just mentioned that I need medicine and I've got a broken hand. Have I got your sympathy yet? (laughs) I'm playing that card right off the top. I'm I'm all about empathy. Oh, are you? Mm -hmm. Oh, well, it seems... Seems if you were about empathy, you would have let me get away with that, but <laughs> really called me out on it. Yeah, I, I'm not about compassion. Oh, okay. Um, I was going to say something, and now I can't remember what it was. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Yeah. Oh, Lisa is also on similar heart medicine to you and also has the grapefruit thing. Oh, okay. And she entirely ignores it and has grapefruit anyway. No. Yes. No, don't. <laughs> well, then hide her grapefruit because that's not good. I, I guess I'll have to. Like, literally, mine has a picture of a grapefruit on it with a cross through it saying no. Don't. Oh, really? Yeah, there's two, a... there's two labels I have on my medicines. One is like a picture of a grapefruit. Wait, like are you sure it's not religious grapefruit? Could be. Because it has could a cross. Could be a vampire grapefruit. <laughs> well, it's a, that's a, not very religious at grapefruit all. Grapefruit killer. Yeah. <laughs> um, one is a picture of a grapefruit that's like no, mm-hmm. and the other one is a guy going, oh, and it's like, this medicine may cause dizziness. Oh. Yeah, and I have that basically on anything that I have. Mm-hmm. It's like, whoa, whoa. In fact, yes. and this was uh, a thing like the other day, yeah. uh, I, I decided, uh, we, because like I ran out of one medicine and there was like a big screw up at the pharmacy. Uh-huh. And what, what had happened was a do- I'm supposed to take this one thing twice a day. Okay. And uh, for the last uh, couple of times, uh, the, this because a doctor in the past went, uh, oh, you mean once a day and got it wrong. Uh, when I go to the pharmacy, I've got to really fight for it to get the right amount. And then every time, you know, they're, they're like, uh, oh, no, it's only once a day. No, no, I know it. Look it up. I've been <laughs> on this for years, and it's always twice a day, uh, and, and so on and so forth. So because of that, mm. they were like, yeah, I, I don't think we're allowed to give you any more because you've got so much at home right now. It's like, I am not at home at all because it was supposed to be this amount a day. And it's like, oh, yeah, 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 we do have a doctor's note saying that. Uh-huh. Okay, well, we can get you that tomorrow. Uh-huh. So I can get the medicine that I need tomorrow, even though I should be having it today. 
So I was I was curious because so I was off it for a day and I was like oh this doesn't feel bad that I'm off it and that's not the best thing in the world because it yeah. doesn't like kick in like that. Sure. But I was just like I wonder what the side effects of this are because I never really like super looked up all the I know so, sorry the side effects of taking of, it of the drug that yeah. I, that I'm on so yeah because I'm just like sometimes I do I do get a little dizzy but sure. again everything says you're going to be dizzy so yeah that, duh there <laughs> uh, so I so I looked it up. And it was like a laundry list of things that I'd, you know, been feeling for like years. And I was like, oh, oh, huh. Okay. Including one of the things was uh, irregular heart rate. Oh. And so, and so I was talking to my wife about that. And I'm like, when did I start to have like the signs of AFib, even though I didn't know what the AFib was back then? And it was like, was I on the medicine first? And we figured out, it's like, yeah, I went on the medicine first. Hmm. And I was like, huh. And and again, like just going through all these things, like, all right, maybe I should, because I don't actually have like a doctor doctor right now because mine's retired. Okay. So I've been going to, you know, online doctors and, you know, phone doctors and random doctors, but none of them really have like a long-term plan for things. Yeah. They're just dealing with what's in front of them within 10 minutes usually, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, yeah, I'm trying right now to like see a doctor and just go, eh, is this possibly the reason for some of the things that have been going on? And, uh, and yeah, the first appointment that was available is like, you know, beginning of October. It's like really far away. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to like kind of track that down and figure out what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And also things can change over time too. Sure. And whatnot. Sure. Yeah. It was interesting. Have you said what that drug is for, or do you don't, don't care to say what it's for? Well, I can. Yeah, it's it's it was for uh, blood pressure. Okay. Like how I found out I had something going on was, and it's not a pleasant memory. It's like I was doing a I was doing a play rehearsal with uh, with a friend, and uh, and and they started looking at me like kind of horrified. Okay. And I was like, it's, it's weird because I've got more that, than usual. Uh, yeah, but I've got that <laughs> burned in my mind of this disgusted look. Okay. And their face looking at me, <laughs> no. and it's it was because my nose was bleeding, oh, okay. and I didn't realize my nose was bleeding. Yeah, and my nose had had been bleeding like maybe once a once a week or something like that, you know, for a while. Yeah, and uh, and uh, and they went, uh, yeah, you should get that checked out. And mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I guess I should get that checked out. When I did, I was told by my doctor, yeah, yeah, your blood pressure is quite high, and we'll put you on this and this. Uh, in fact, he said, like, so how's it feel? Because blood pressure normally doesn't feel like anything. And I went, uh, well, I guess it feels, and he went, like this? And I went, like, yeah, kind of like that. I was like, yeah, that's what that's what I think he got going on. He was a good, he's a good doctor, that guy. I guess so. Uh, he, like, really, he's one of those guys who, like, will, will knows who you are, and so gets what's going on and yeah, can explain yeah. it to you well. And huh. in times where we had, like, crisis and we needed things sped up to get like results a little faster for things. He'd make a phone call that he didn't have to make mm. to kind of speed things up. That's, and also, that's good. he was the guy who, when uh, someone told Pia that she had to get her uh, gallbladder taken out, you know, give her a poke and just went, So you've been working like over a table, like drawing? Yeah. Yeah. That's what this is. You were working over a table drawing. <laughs> that's what this is. And uh, this is hurt when I poke you here? Yeah. Good. Good. That's what it is then. Mm. And I was mm. like, oh. Fuck! It's nice to have a doctor who's good. But he's he's <laughs> since gone on to physiotherapy and and whatnot, which okay. makes me want to actually take some physiotherapy to just actually be able to see him again. Um, but yeah, that was uh, the origin of uh, my my blood pressure uh, okay. woes. Okay. Uh, and 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 yeah, so I'm thinking like maybe that triggered something, triggered something, triggered something. Mm. So uh, I'm uh, I'm curious about that because that kind of came out of nowhere. And and every cardiologist that I'd gone to went, yeah, you seem fine. And then like about a year ago, 
you know, I went to see a nurse practitioner and they went, oh my gosh, we got to send you to emergency right away. You know, you got to go now, like now, get a cab now. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I'm going to fucking explode. What's what's happening? And uh, at the end, the, the doctor there put me on like blood thinners and said, you know, whatever you do, don't fall down. And I immediately fall down. <laughs> um, <laughs> they, uh, but yeah, I'd like to kind of like solve this mystery and see what was the reason for certain things and certain things. Yeah. 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 I had some like swelling in my ankles and that again is a, is a side effect of this as well. So like mm-hmm. all these things that were just like, huh, where'd that come from? Well, yeah, there's one place that you're getting the, that looks like it could be. So yeah, I'm going to get that checked out. Yeah. Maybe it's, maybe it's time to go and see if there's like an alternative yeah, blood pressure medicine the, that yeah. has less side effects or different side effects. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't mind being spotted. There will be side effects. Yeah. 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 yeah, once you, yeah, it was interesting. I was watching um, just a preview clip of uh, Patton Oswalt's new comedy special, and uh, oh man, I could relate to so much. And just again, <laughs> he was talking about like breaking his foot, mm. and you know, breaking his foot in a dumb way, just on his curb, and oh, okay. you know, and you know, because after you turn fifty, you're made of glass. <laughs> yeah, it's just like mm, yeah, yeah. All right, so looking forward to seeing that special in uh, yeah mid- middle of this month. Yeah, that's uh, that's very true. When I think about, as a kid, riding my bike and falling about five feet into a dry creek bed with my bike on top of me. <laughs> yeah. And then just getting up and throwing my bike out and climbing back on it and riding off. You know, like if I did that now, they'd have to, like, get a helicopter and medevac. But in fact, they probably wouldn't even do that. They'd just get a bulldozer and just push dirt over. Yeah, he's the, already the buried. I'm already, he's already halfway there. Let's just cover him up. Yeah, what are we doing? Like, yeah, I've got a strong memory of being a teenager and, uh, like, early teenager and, like, going uh, headfirst over the top of my handlebars yeah. and like there you go land and i land flat on my chest yeah my bike goes over me and then the guy behind me rides over most of me yeah yeah you know just like sideways trying to stop so yeah, sure. you know, he didn't ride over my head but he rode over my ass to my uh my left shoulder blade yeah and i'm just like get up and go get up and go well <laughs> but still have to go to school yeah what, what are you gonna do not go to school <laughs> Well, that's it. I mean, what are you going to do? Not go play with your friends? Yeah, what are you going to do? Not, uh, you know, function and keep going? Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do? Get treatment? (laughs) What are you going to do? Tend to your wounds? Yeah, you probably probably didn't need it, though. Yeah, probably not. It's fine. Because, like, when I fell at the gym last, not last week, but the week before, and then I felt fine that day. Mm -hmm. But then, like, three days later, you know, my neck was stiff, my back was sore. Yeah, you reversed Jesus, yeah. (laughs) Three days later, that's when the trouble happens. I need to get, yeah. It's, it's, so it's kind of funny. So I spent like you know a few days like turning my entire body to look at someone. You know what? Turn entire body. But uh, that's what you get. Mm-hmm. That's the gift of living this long. Mm-hmm. It's, it's only well, it's also falling at the gym. I mean, there's that 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 will. Have well, yeah, but I just mean that. if I had done that when I was twenty, right? I just would have not had the, that. Exp- I'm pretty sure I would not have been aching three days yeah, later i think like of my sister breaking her arm as a little girl yeah i'm thinking like whoa what you have to do to break your arm as a little girl <laughs> yeah you know yeah that's a lot of fucking effort like, <laughs> i i did a, a a perfect replication of wally coyote's fall yeah off a cliff like i jumped and like did a flat back land onto a concrete floor Oof. and ended up like an emergency like later on um and uh and you know it's okay yeah yeah that's fine but like it was a solid boom uh but like you really have to hurt yourself as a kid to hurt mm. yourself as a kid because mm-hmm. you are made a silly putty and vibranium yes yeah you're still 
You're not made of chalk yet. The... Yeah, I always used to think like uh, whenever you saw, like occasionally they do a thing in Warner Brothers cartoons, but like in the 90s or, or late 80s, yeah. where they'd have a character who's in a wheelchair because they wanted to, you know, uh, be good and do th- that thing. And But then you go like, yeah, but you guys live in the universe where you can like blow yourself up with dynamite <laughs> and walk it off. So like, what was their accident like? Mm. What a horror show this must have been. <laughs> like like with yeah. Mickey Mouse World, right? Mm-hmm. Mickey Mouse? Okay. Peg Leg Pete. Yeah. How'd he lose his damn he leg? He was born that way. Oh, you think it was... It was yeah, like a, yeah. Just, a, a just came right out of the womb with a, with a peg leg. Oh, okay. I thought like it was like a birth, birth no, no, no. disorder right you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. No, no. All right. That's fine then. Because like, if he had to lose his leg, <laughs> even like Captain Hook, you know, yeah. he's more grounded in reality because he's yeah. based on something. But Peg Leg Pete is straight out... You can blow up Pete with dynamite. Hmm. You can drop him off a cliff and he's all right. Yeah. But something. I don't know. Is that bad true? enough to... Uh, I guess that's true. Peg like Pete? Yes. There's different realities, not though. Pete, not Pete from Goof Troop. No, but I'm no, thinking of... He, he was more grounded in reality. That's a reality where Goofy's wife can die of something. <laughs> something. Which they really do heavily imply was yeah. a disease. Okay. Like, you know... They really do like sure. that, that. It was a bit of a long thing, and you know, they. It's like wow, they really put some interesting backstory. The terrible Goof disease uh, in that world, paint thinner. Yeah, she she got a case of the dip. That's that's the scary Stephen King novel in that world is paint yeah. thinner. Yeah, she couldn't stop huffing dip. <laughs> um, but there's also the the peg leg Pete of of the Floyd Gottfredson Mickey Mouse, who can be put off. All those characters can be like be in a standoff with guns and and not. And react like we would react if someone pulled a gun on us. And right, be like, none of them ever get shot and die. They react like it's bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course they're not getting shot. Because yeah, <laughs> because you, you don't know what would happen that. if you actually shot. Well, yeah, but they can't, they can't show that. So I assume yeah. that they know that there's some ill effect. They're not just acting. Unless you think like that for the comic or the comic strips. This is an interesting idea that you've just proposed. Is that Thank you, Thank you very much. Is that the comic strips are them acting as those characters. You know, so oh. they, they come in, they put on their 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 makeup, make up clothes, you know, their cowboy clothes, whatever right. they're wearing for whatever the scenario is, and then act it, you know, and so have to pretend okay. that they are afraid afraid of getting shot. But reality is that there's no problem with getting shot in their world. Okay, but does Pete in that world where he's been in the make up, he is still missing a leg? Yeah. Okay. He's, he's not that missing way. a leg, by the way, anymore. He's uh, his legs back. Oh, really? Yep. That's not. That's weird. Yep. Oh, here's a, here's a good bit of trivia. Um, he did not first appear in uh, Mickey Mouse. That was not the first place he appeared. He appeared uh, in two other cartoons with two other characters hmm. before, as in two other separate types yeah, yeah. of cartoons. What cartoons did Pete first uh, appear in? Well, that's a good question. So, Also, what type of animal is he? I'm going to assume he's a dog. He's a bear. Oh, a bear. Okay. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Um and he's pretty early on. He is very early on. He's so I guess he'd be like uh, twenty-five. So I guess Oswald, the Lucky Rabbit, would be it. That was one of them in twenty-seven. Who? What cartoon was he in before that in nineteen twenty-five? Is it with that Alice character, the That's girl, right, yeah. the little girl? Yeah, the Alice comedy shorts with the yeah. real life uh, Alice. That's right. And oh. uh, yeah, and and his he uh, he did have like his peg leg. Mm-hmm. But his name there was Bootleg Pete. Okay, because he, he was a bootlegger of alcoholic beverages that he stored in his in his fake leg. Oh, maybe 
I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know either. In fact, in the new shows, he he does not have a real lake. He just has a false lake that has a place to hide alcohol. Oh, okay. That's fine. Good for him. Because in this new universe, there's probably not a lot of drinking going on. So, yeah, his original name was Bootleg Pete. Mm-hmm. He also went under the name Putrid Pete. <laughs> okay. And then finally Pegleg Pete. Was that when he was a punk rocker? I, I don't know. Okay. Uh, and uh, oh, so that was Pete Putrid. Maybe. And Alice's cat, uh, Julius, got okay. drunk on the moonshine. Yes, of course. Uh, from Which you know is oh. moonshine because it has three X's on it. Yeah, that would probably be the way. Mm-hmm. But uh, here, here's, a, here's, here's a one you're not going to get. It's okay. like okay. Uh, Pete's uh, favorite hobby. Okay. okay. No, no, I don't think he I saw Alice doing something. Yeah. And uh, he wanted to steal it from her because he liked doing these yeah. uh, as much as she did. Okay. What was the thing that he stole from her? They saw her like, oh, Pete loves doing these. And saw Alice doing one of these. Yeah. And then stole it from her. So is it a jigsaw puzzle? Very close. Crossword puzzle? Yes. Huh? He's a big crossword puzzle fan. That's that's well. I now I'm a big fan of uh, black of uh, bootleg Pete. Yeah, the Oswald uh, short that he did. Yeah, uh, was called the Ocean Hop, mm. and it was inspired by Lindbergh's. Uh, uh, cro- yeah, it's crossing, uh, the- crossing the ocean. So Oswald and uh, Pete uh, race across the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, cool. neat. And uh, and the character continued to appear in the Oswald films, directed and produced by Walter Lance. Creator That's... of the worst comic uh, cartoon character ever, Woody Woodpecker. Oh, I thought you were going to say... Chili Woolly. <laughs> Chili Woolly, yes. Or Sven the Walrus or whatever. Sven the Walrus is probably the worst comic, worst cartoon character ever invented. Could be. But Woody Woodpecker is definitely the most obnoxious character ever invented. So this was this was what made him unique at the time. Bootleg uh, or... Bo- bo- bootleg Pete. Okay. Known as Pegleg Pete. Later on. A.K.A. Right. Because he was in uh, yeah. Steamboat Willie. Sure. Right. And he did appear in Walt Disney films. But like I'm saying about the Walter Lance stuff, he appeared in, in uh, rival Animation Studios movies. He was a character in both studios, both the Lance studio yeah. and uh, and the Disney studio mm-hmm. at the same time. He was in the, the Lance films until 37 and at the same time was appearing in Disney films. I wonder if that is for, uh, through the UB, I don't know how to say this last name, UB Iwerks. Connection, who was Disney's partner early on, then left. I wonder if he had some claim over the character, and so it took him with it. Took took that character. I'm not sure. No, me neither. This is interesting too, because like uh, here's, a, here's a question though. It's interesting to me. Oh, about I would Steamboat, like to know. Steamboat Willie is that the same year? Practically the same year was the Buster Keaton film Steamboat Bill Jr. Oh, who is a paddleboat captain? So they're both released in the same year. I think so. But yeah. were they both produced in the same year? And how long does it take to produce a short? How yeah, long I just wonder if one 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 uh, inspired the other. Yeah, I wonder if like people were just steamboat uh, happy at that time. <laughs> if one wanted, I mean, oh, what's a, that? Sorry, yes, it's a it's a. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> just going to look at when Steamboat Bill Junior. Please do came out. Uh, in the meantime, I'm going to say like in the comics, as in the comic strips, and 1928. Okay. So it has a year, I think, on uh, Steamboat Bill or Steamboat Willie. They're so similar in name too, right? Bill is just a William and Willie Bill. It's all. Yeah, that is that is interesting. And I mean, Keaton was a big star in those days. Like, so I'm I'm sure it must have had some some influence. Yeah, they're saying like the biggest influence, of course, on um, on the uh, Steamboat uh, Willie was uh, the jazz singer 
because they wanted to get sound. Yes, into, yes. Into but I mean, I'm. Tr- it, but I'm trying to. I'm, but that would have been. They were inspired by the sound aspect, not by the yeah, content. I'm not, looking, of, I'm not seeing anything uh, about about that. But that is interesting, huh? Anyway, uh, it seems rather flagrant, flagrant to me. But the uh, characters that you'd find uh, Pete uh, teaming up with in the comics, yes, would be Sylvester Shyster. Okay. Eli Squinch. Okay. And the Phantom Blot. The Phantom Blot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh he wears a uh, body length black sheet. Yeah. And it was a very reoccurring character in the European comics, especially. Oh, okay. And he was kind of uh in Europe, he is Mickey's arch enemy and one that we do not know much of here. The blot. Yeah, the wow. Phantom Blot. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yes, uh, it, strangely, the Disney Disney comics enjoyed a life in in Europe that is completely different than what well, very different what we what we had here. But I would say that about most comics, though, of that sort, you know, like obviously we had the direct market that kind of sprung up in the seventies that sort of nurtured superheroes as the be be all end all of comics. But Europe has a different history and funny animal and and uh, kind of more children's comics, I guess. Just, the, they had a better distribution system, or more a different distribution system. Not necessarily better, but just the weekly comics of that time period, you know, as a way to deliver. Which I don't know if I, I'm not used to it, so I don't know if I would have enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. It's hard to know, of course. If I if that's how I got them, I would have thought it was the best thing ever that you got a a magazine and had three pages of comics and you had to wait another week to read another three pages, <laughs> which to me like seems you know ridiculous. But I guess if that's what you're used to, then you were. See, my, grandpa- my grandparents would uh, bring me British comics when whenever they would visit. Was it the uh, Dandy or the Beano? No, though I would, it would sometimes I'd get that. Okay, but it would be almost like a half, almost like okay. I'm not saying half. That's a lie. It's about a third of the size of a phone book, right? And it would be uh, Marvel comics yeah. in there. Okay, and about maybe. A twentieth of that would be in color and glossy, hmm. and then the rest would be black and white. And sometimes they'd have the covers, sometimes they wouldn't have the covers. Yeah. And sometimes the stories would like follow in order. Sometimes they wouldn't. They were very random. Huh. There would always definitely be a Captain Britain in there. Yeah. Um. But but yeah, it was like just this dense thing of like almost manga style, you know, uh, packed comic books that you just like sit down and just read an eternity of comics. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Yeah, it is. Cool. Like as a as a kid, it was like, wow, that's a, that's amazing. That's a big long freaking read yeah and i'm not sure whether or not they had the proper uh marvel comics for like whatever 12p or whatever yeah whatever. yeah yeah i'm not yeah i don't really know they did later on for sure because mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know they you can still get them like that now but uh, yeah back then it was just these just packed things and then they'd also have the uh, batman uh batman robin and superman collections it was batman robin and superman not just batman and superman and uh, they would be a hardbound and they'd have puzzles in them, but they'd also have reproductions of like old Neil Adams, uh, Denny O'Neill stories. Okay. But they'd rewrite them. And <sighs> so they'd rewrite, it was so weird, and they'd dumb them down. Yeah, yeah. So all this like tons of dialogue, and they just like eliminate it and just go like, take this punch. <laughs> and you look stupid, and such and such. And, sure, sure. Oh, no. Where it's like, it's, it's a huge thing of dialogue. So it's weird, like later on in life, I would read these stories again. And go like, oh, I remember the story. I read the story over and over and over again. What? <laughs> What's all this about? And it was like his first meeting with Raj Al Ghul or some such. I guess they could do those kind of bumper books because it was they had so much of an archive to draw from. Sure. But by the time they were re- reprinting them for Britain, you know that DC had already been producing comics for fifteen. 
yeah, viewers also, by the time you were seeing those. Yeah, probably. I also feel like they probably assumed these were really for kids. And so, you know, uh, you know, there's just a certain window where you'd read these things and then mm. you grow out of them. And so yeah. who cares? Then repeat, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of these again, even if you put the same ones in there, what's it matter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just, no, it's interesting. It's one of those, like, I feel this way about Bel- like Belgium comics. We're going to Belgium and I'm very excited because I love those comics so much. What's so interesting about that is it's one of those things where you wonder, so if you had similar circumstances anywhere else, would you have the same result? Hmm. So, you know, like, basically because of Tintin being so popular and then and then being sort of made, made into its own, like after World War II, being uh, repu- sort of being republished into its own magazine, Tintin magazine. And so they needed other artists to fill pages for that magazine. And so, you know, suddenly there's these people that are, you know, they come in. Some of them are already working with Hergé as assistants. But no, start your own strips and we'll put those into this. Yeah. And we'll, you know, and so suddenly there's all this talent appearing. And then there's more and more. And you're like, well, we can, we don't just need Tintin. We'll have Spiru as well. So here's Spiru. We can fill that with all these other, you know, so Peyo and Frank Han, all these other, you know, uh, Morris and, and all these talented people, Guskini and for a while. And then but, well, that's... We still have more. So let's start Pilot. So we'll have Pilot as well. So we have all these weekly. I'm sure there's one. Those are obviously the cream of the like creme de la creme that we remember now. I'm sure there are other ones. And also there was uh, the Disney one as well. You know, like Mickey or whatever it was called that also published at the comics as a weekly. Right. You know, as weekly serials and the same idea of three three pages. Would they reprint uh, old comic strips or was it always like new comic books? I think it was from the comics, from the like the the Carl Bark style Okay. Comic pages being redone, and then new ones being done by European artists, right? Because they loved it so much, and there's just so much appetite for those mm-hmm. those stories, and so much skill over there. Ridiculous yes, amount yeah, of skill. it's crazy, right? Yeah. So you kind of wonder, like, is it sort of a chicken and egg thing? Like, was the talent there always? And if it if it had been like animation studios that opened, they would have gone there and worked as animators, mm-hmm. and we'd have like this flowering of Belgium anima- animation studios. Or was it uh, just the opportunity? For you know, this kind of it just kind of filled this need. You know, people were like, "Oh, I'm a talented artist, but I'm not necessarily a cartoonist." Oh no, I'm a cartoonist because I need a job and I can do this. Mm-hmm. I can figure this out. I can make it work. You know, it's hard to know. Like, it's just one of those weird things. It's like any any time that happens where there's suddenly a bunch of something, whether it's like the grunge scene in Seattle or the Halifax uh, punks or pop scene, you know, the rock scene in Halifax, just these sort of circumstances that allow for like a flowering of a scene, you know, and you're kind of like, were they always there? Or is it just because, you know, in Halifax, bars needed to have bands play in them. Otherwise they, they would lose their license. You know, they had to have like an entertainment element to their bars. And so they got bands in and that was a cheap way to do it. And so that created a scene and then everyone who wanted to do it, did it. And then, but it's just weird. It's just, it's just strange, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's, and you kind of wonder, like, as we, because of like economic reasons, as we close down those kind of opportunities for people, does that mean that these things aren't going to happen? Or are they going to happen differently, obviously? So now sort of bedroom musicians have sprung up, people who just produce stuff and put it online and kind of grow that way. And so we have that kind of flowering happening. But it's different. It's different to me in a way, because there's not, it's not, it's happening. There's some connection between them, but it's not like a close knit scene of people that kind of, you know, group together and, and create. It's also it's it's like um, 
I always think of the origin of like Marvel comics and like how what that worked, <laughs> um, which is very similar to in in my mind to uh, the the Marvel movies. But like you look at uh, Tintin and go like someone outside, yeah, just be cool. Sure, I'll okay. try. We're gonna um, talk about Tintin. I'll try. You look, be cool. you look at Tintin, and if you were yeah. like to, to pitch someone and go like, "All right, so this is gonna be the biggest comic book character in the country. It's yeah. gonna take it by storm." Yeah. What's his deal? Okay, so he's a reporter who turns into a superhero. Just a reporter, and what happens? He's got a drunk friend. <laughs> like, a, like what? Like a sexy friend? No, no, it doesn't really date. Yeah, none of that. We yeah. don't have any of that. Uh, he's got like an older guy. He's always swearing. He's kind of drunk. He's got a dog. What's the dog's deal? He's also drunk. Dog likes to drink as well. Okay, so does the dog like <laughs> hanging out with the sailor? They don't care for each other. Okay, fair enough. What happens? Like he just goes. He's a yeah. reporter. He's yeah. a reporter, and he like so, solves mysteries. And and there you go. Oh, that doesn't. Why would kids want the adventures of a reporter, a boy mm-hmm. reporter? That doesn't sound. Everyone loves it. It's the biggest hit. <laughs> it's the biggest hit. And like with 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 the Marvel comics. You know, uh, comics were kind of on their way out. They were dead. The comic company that Stanley was working for, you know, was uh, was going to go under. And he was uh, at a golf game with whoever the head of DC was, and said, "We were, we had some success with this Justice League." And like, well, what's 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 that? Well, you know, the Justice Society. We just redid it, but we took some of our characters and they teamed up, and it seems to be doing well. Oh, so team a team works. Yeah, people like team. It feels like they're getting more value for money. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So creates a Fantastic Four. Sure. And, and tries to, and like, it, you look at the Fantastic Four and the first story is fine, but it's like so, you know, no one's wearing a costume. There's no costumes. It's yeah. just, they're just regular people because yeah. it would be weird to wear costumes and they're all just knockoffs of other characters. It's like the invisible girl. Well, yeah, the invisible man. Yeah. Okay. Mr. Fantastic. Well, it's, he's plastic man. There's no originality to that at all. Yeah. The human torch. Well, yeah, you've there already had the human torch. He's already <laughs> exists. Yeah. And who's this other guy? I don't know. The thing. Like, it's just called The Thing? Sure. Yeah. And they're fighting, I don't know, like, one of those monsters that we have in our monster comics. Oh, okay. There you go. And, uh, and, and yeah, but it just catches on. It catches fire. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like... No one thought that this would, you know, do well, except maybe them who wrote the world's greatest comic magazine on it. It's, it's smart. <laughs> smart move there. They didn't even have costumes until a couple of issues in. Mm-hmm. And then it felt like they were kind of even compromising on that because, you know, it was just like... It was like regular people could read this because it was just like, oh, these regular people are fighting a monster. You know, they're in, they're not, if they were in crazy costumes, maybe they wouldn't have bought it, but they, but they did. And then Spider Man, that was the last issue of a failed series. Mm-hmm. And they just went, fine, it doesn't matter anymore. Just put this story that we've been kicking around for a long time and no one likes because no one likes spiders. No one likes spiders. So they're not going to like a Spider Man. That's a terrible idea. Uh, you know, but here we go. Put it in the last issue of like a, uh, Amazing Adult Fantasy. We'll just call it Amazing Fantasy. Take the adult off there. And uh, here we go. And yeah, then it became like their biggest character. So weird. They're like it's all the stuff that no one would have thought. Hmm. Yeah, like you wouldn't have thought. Like you know, you know what's going to launch one of the biggest movie franchises in the world? Okay, get me Robert Downey Jr. What? Robert Downey Jr. The guy who's like barely on the Ally McBeal show, and they had to like really go. Come on, give him a chance. Like, and and who's going to be directing it? Get this, John Favreau. 
from Swingers? Yeah, we got the director of Swingers. We got the guy, you know, who, yeah. you know, you remember you remember from the, you know, from the 80s, right? Remember Less Than Zero? He's pretty good in that. He was in Chaplin, and then some stuff happened. Remember? <laughs> Let's not talk about Let's it. Let's not talk about that. And uh, he's going to be Iron Man. Who's Iron Man? We don't really know that character. Yeah, he's about a third or fourth le- uh, level character that people don't give a shit about. Here we go. And that's the start of, you know the biggest success in movies in the last you know couple of decades yeah i guess people were were ready for it i guess they wanted that they were ready for, no they didn't want that i don't think they wanted iron man no i think <laughs> they wanted movies like that though i think that's what yeah i think timing is everything you know and i think favreau is a good storyteller like he knows how mm-hmm. to strip stuff down and mm-hmm. and unfold things in a in you a in a good way you forgot to mention that he directed elf Oh, I said Alf, <laughs> the TV I did say series. Elf. I said Elf. A L F. Yeah. Um, Willie. <laughs> that's right. He directed episodes. He wants of that to show. eat. He wants to eat that cat. <laughs> what a lovable character. <laughs> yes. Well, if you don't like cats very much, it's he did direct Elf, okay. which really did make you think. Like, you know what? The director of Elf. That's the guy for Iron Man. Well, I don't think the studio wanted him very much either, though. Marvel Studios weren't really that keen on Favreau as a director, but. I think they kind of settled, mm. you know, and they kind of settled with Robert Downey Jr. as well. Cause yeah, it was well, they had to. Him. They both had to fight very hard for Robert Downey Jr. Both yeah. Favreau and Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, that was a it was a thing like at Endgame. I was watching an interview with them, like uh, talking about no one wanted this. They didn't <laughs> want this. We had to fight so hard. We yeah. sold them on it. We told them our vision. We told them this. And, yeah, All right, we'll give it a shot, and they gave it a shot, and yeah. Good for them. Weird. It's weird, the stuff that, uh, you know, no, you wouldn't think anyone would want, but there you go. And then you get something like, how about the dark universe of monsters? People love monsters, right? How about Tom Cruise? How about all these characters? You <laughs> yeah. know, Johnny Depp's coming up as well in there. That's pretty good. Johnny Depp. We've got Russell Crowe. Ah, you like Russell Crowe, right? Here's all the, at the time you did, at the time you did. And here we go. No, thanks. Mm. <laughs> Because we got a lot of plans. We love Russell Crowe at that time? I think so. I think we were down with Russell Crowe. I think Russell... I mean, I have nothing against Russell Crowe. I think he was... I think he was on the the other side of his career by that point, but yeah. Okay. Like, he wasn't gladiator hot, but he was... But he was a charming rogue. He was the kind Uh, of guy who would... He was... Beyond his th- uh, phone throwing days, so I kind of think those. Do you think he was hotter people. than Robert Downey Jr. was during Iron Man, before Iron Man? Um, well, he, yeah. I mean, I don't think he is quite as poisonous. He didn't. He wasn't found sleeping in some stranger's uh, daughter's bed. Yeah, that's a hard thing to come back from. It is a hard thing to come back from. And if you've got the dark universe and you're starting off with the Mummy. Proven, like yeah. it's a film that like has scored yeah. repeatedly. If you have uh, Brendan Fraser in it, it'll do very well, right? But Tom Cruise, it won't. Like, holy shit! Like, I what think... are you talking about? And then, and then, no, look, because spoilers, the problem, here's the thing: you make Tom Cruise the mummy. Yeah. Tom Cruise is the mummy by the end. Spoilers. <laughs> holy spoilers. shit! He's the mummy. Spoilers for a movie no one cares about. Yeah, you can't make that work. Mm. Wow, that's like such a tank. That like it just kills the franchise that you've got loaded up to come. I think. Wow. I think that there's still a lot of goodwill for for the for the for the oddies, naughties mummy, the Brendan Fraser mummy. And then in that instance, it's not a super capable person. You know, it's not a Tom Cruise character. It's a Brendan Fraser character. It's a. It's kind of a a sub uh, Indiana Jones sort of character. You know, kind of a roguish but sort of inept. 
mm. character that's not entirely uh, on the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of making making do by his wits. Yeah, I don't think that's really a Tom Cruise kind of character. You know, like so if you're going to do Tom Cruise Tom in that Cruise role, is too competent. He's too competent, exactly, and that, that's a great character for him, and he does does it great. But I think I don't think it works. I don't think it works the other way. I don't think, but that's not what people want from Tom Cruise anyway. You know, don't want him to be a mummy. They don't want him to be a mummy. No, I don't think they do. I mean, I don't. I mean, I mean, I don't think it's his fault, but I think his uh, options are very limited now, and what people want to see him do. And I think he's sort of limited himself as well, because I think he's more concerned now with like staying on top of whatever he's on top of, okay, and not being an actor. Did people not care for him as Reacher? No, that do, movie didn't do well. But they did. But they did two of them. I know, but they didn't do well. Why did they do a second one if the first one didn't do well? No, I guess it's the. I guess they signed him for two. Okay, make two. The first one's really good. The second one's not very good at all. I don't think. But the first one's a very good film. But it didn't do well. And I think you know you have to have like you have to have some fan goodwill, and they did not have fan goodwill with Re- with Tom Cruise's Reacher. That was not a popular idea amongst the fans. So if Tom Cruise had done Iron Man, as was the original idea, mm. would that have worked? No, no. I mean, I don't. It's not that Robert Downey Jr. is the only person who can play that role, but I think that that persona is the best persona for that role. You know, the wisecracking but still vulnerable person. You know, she can do very well. And uh, it's actually Favreau seeing Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is what convinced him that Robert Downey Jr. Oh, would yeah, be perfect yeah, yeah. for Iron Man. Which is nice then that like Shane Black could do uh, the third film then, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the so, best, the best one. So say, oh, that's interesting. In my opinion, I don't disagree. I think the first one has some really good parts to it, but I think the third act is a bit weak. The second one yeah. is very hard to watch, and I've never seen it since I watched it in the theater. But I think the third one stands stands at best. And has Rockwell, a- I mean, Rockwell's charming and fun. I mean, I like a lot of the stuff like uh, him at the government, you know, hearing and watching the the soldiers being like killed in the Iron Man armor while Rockwell's there, just like ooh, uh, ooh. you know. <laughs> I some, remember that. Well, it's funny. It's, the whole thing is like Sam Rockwell <laughs> is Tony Stark yeah. if he was a real scumbag, yeah, yeah, and like you know, uh, not great sure. at his job. You know, it's he's good. Still, to have a he's still a good yeah. inventor, but mm-hmm. like you know. So yeah, it was. It's really like Rockwell's time to shine on that, and he. Yeah. I think he might be coming back at some point, which will be just fine. Yeah, yeah. By by me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what Mickey Rourke was doing. I have no idea. The scene at the racetrack is uh, solid. Like you know, him changing into the suit like from a briefcase, and then the guy with the whip, and he's whipping a car in half. That's mm. like that's pretty good. Uh, you know, the, that, some, not all is fine. There's and, some good set pieces, but overall, yeah, yeah. it just feels kind of dull. Who cares? It's kind of a dull movie, I thought. Well, yeah, you also get Don Cheadle as War Machine, mm. and you're like, so he's the same powers? Yep. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, you got two of them then. That doesn't like I understand Iron Man two. Yeah. You've got two Iron Men. <laughs> That's all fine, but it makes it weird at the end when they're fighting. You know, uh, Mickey Mickey Rourke. And it's like, well, it's two against one. Yeah. You've outnumbered him. Why are we on your side? Mm-hmm. Like, this is... that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That that part uh, that part doesn't work. But there's some stuff uh, in the beginning that's like, uh, that's fine. It's fine. But it's not great. Yeah. And it's nice seeing uh, Black Widow uh, beating up uh, John Favreau. It's pretty good. I'm sure, I'm sure he <laughs> yeah, enjoyed that scene. I'm sure he did. But, yeah, just over... It feels like that movie is like a stepping stone to, to Avengers. Whereas... Three, yep. three is its own movie, and I, 
I know a lot of fans have objected to it, but I do like the the, man- the Mandarin twist in uh, sure. Iron Man 3. That's a lot of fun. And for people that didn't like the twist, eh, you're fine now, right? <laughs> you're okay now. They've fixed it. They're, you're fine. They Don't need, worry about it. They didn't it. need to fix it, but they fixed yeah, it. Yeah, they fixed uh, what they wanted to fix, and it's fixed, and it's yeah. all fine. You're fine, right? Everyone's happy. They backtracked. There you go. They said, they oh, si- they sorry. sidetracked. Yeah. We're sorry. Oh, we don't want to hurt your feelings. Oh. <laughs> or they went, there's more meat on this bone that we can <laughs> oh, let's, right. uh, let's do that. Let's cash in more. And they also had the problem of, like, when you've got Shang-Chi or Shang-Chi, uh, you know, who's the villain in Shang-Chi? Let's look in the comics. Uh, Fu Manchu. <laughs> Slowly uh, close the comic, put it away, and go like, so yeah. who do we have who's not Fu Manchu? <laughs> We got the Mandarin, but we used him up. <sighs> Did we though? Yeah, maybe that's there what have been maybe a little pivot, a little pivot. Maybe there's maybe there really is. A, I mean, that's the thing. Why he's just pretending to be the Mandarin? Who obviously there is a person who's the Mandarin. Otherwise, there wouldn't be that rumor. Mm-hmm. But um, I was just thinking about uh, She-Hulk. Oh, I didn't get to see the new one. Anyway, She-Hulk, um, and everyone's enjoying Wong on it. Wong's great. <laughs> but who I really like, who I really enjoying on it is. Um, the guy who plays the, the the whatever the beast name I can't even remember the actor now the British actor who's playing uh, the what is his name atrocious or whatever <laughs> the beast is oh the, uh, the abomination the abomination yeah Tim yeah. Tim Roth yes Tim Roth, yes yeah. he's great he's great in that role well you, get, you want to make so a British good. person happy here's the role yeah uh, you're sitting down <laughs> and just talking at someone yeah and yeah you're uh, really smug yeah you got a lot of jokes. Yeah, it's great. Uh, you're all powerful so and you're really in command of the situation. Mm-hmm. All right, but how much am I standing? Not much. You're sitting for the, almost the whole thing. Like, in what kind of outfit? Comfy. Real comfy <laughs> outfit. Like, ah, that man. sounds like any actor's dream, not no, just British actors. That's actress. really a British actor's dream. Okay. They want the uh, Anthony Hopkins, you know, I get to wear the loose suit. Yeah. I get to just like go up to the glass and just like do a thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, once, once. Anthony Hopkins had showed people that you could do that kind of part. Mm. Now we're locking everyone behind plexiglass. <laughs> now you got to get like your uh, Ian McKellen yeah. is like Magneto behind glass. Uh, what's his uh, Javier uh, Bardem? Yeah. You got to get him behind some glass. Uh, what's his name? Um, whoever it was in the James Bond movie is Blofeld. Got to get him behind some okay. glass. Yeah, yeah. They just like being behind a bunch of glass. Yeah. Just going. So I'll tell you the plan. Oh, you've got me wrong. Yeah, it's fun. Why Why was that actor so good in... Uh, we can't remember his name. But why was that actor so good in, in Glorious Bastards? But I don't think as good in anything else that he's done since then. Oh, Quentin Tarantino was a director. <laughs> the dialogue was so great. Yeah, did you notice uh, John Travolta's not as good an actor in anything? Besides, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's a better actor in a Quentin Tarantino movie. That's true. That's true. It's certainly... He certainly can. Uh, he makes them rehearse so much. Is that true? Enjoy, I guess he does or something. He put I don't know. the thing into he's the doing thing a, with the levels. He's doing a podcast now. Called, Is he? Yeah, called Video Archives Podcast. And he's doing it strangely. He's doing it with his former, well, friend. We're talking he, Quentin Tarantino. Quentin right? Tarantino, yeah, right? yeah. He's doing it with uh, Roger Avery, who was his, who, his friend who worked at Video Archives. It's named after the video store they both worked at. Oh, nice. For years together. But of course, they had a huge falling out over Pulp Fiction, or what I understood as a huge falling out over Pulp Fiction. Okay. In that Avery didn't get credited for his contributions to the screenplay, and eventually that was righted, and he got an Oscar for uh, for his part in it. Okay. Because of course, that won Best Screenplay that year. And I wonder if it wasn't 
Tarantino so much as maybe Miramax. We're trying to push him as their golden boy, and we're kind of Oscar Well, no, sorry, Orson Wellsing it by removing other people from the their credits so that it made mm. him seem like more like a wunderkind who is not only a great director yeah, but also a, a great writer. That, and, that was a good thing to push back then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so Avery kind of fell victim to that. I really don't know the whole inside story to it because uh, Avery is referred. It's kind of an interesting show. So it has uh, Quentin Tarantino and Avery, and the idea of the show is that. Well, the reality of the show is that when video archives went out of business, Quentin Tarantino bought their entire stock, but not just their stock of video cassettes, but also all their shelves and stuff like that to yeah. keep them on. So he has them in his house in L.A. He has this room. If I was a, if I was a crazy thousand air, <laughs> I would have bought quite a few video shelves from Black Dog when it went out yeah. of business. Yeah, like they were they were selling them, and it was mm. like God. Damn it. Yeah. Like, that would be great to actually have. But okay. Yeah, it would be nice to be a thousand air, too. Yeah. I, I a thousand air is, is, is enough money to do some stupid purchases <laughs> that you could just have fun with and yeah, have yeah. a little room with, like, your video shelf. Sure, yeah. sure. And so, so for each episode, they, they pick three movies. They watch them and then they discuss them. And so yeah. one, so they'll kind of like, you know, kind of switch off who does the third one, but then they both bring in a movie. So. The first episode, they only did two films, just because they weren't certain of the format yet. They talked about Dark Star, John Carpenter's Dark Star, and then uh, a movie by Uli Lemel called Cocaine Cowboys, which I've never seen. I've only seen his movie Blank Generation, but he was a German director who came out of like the, was uh, friends with the, oh, I can't remember the name now, the 70s director who was a big part of the sort of new wave of German cinema. And yes, you're all telling me who that is. Thank you very much. I'll remember one day when I'm walking on the street and I'll go, da da da. But anyway, so um, uh, so they talk about those films, and then and then also uh, Roger Avery's daughter Gala Avery is sort of the the third host, and she'll come in. She does a sort of uh, she does a lot of the the introductions and stuff like that. But then she'll she also comes in and does her own little opinions of the movies. Okay, and so that's kind of fun too. It kind of adds a little bit of a younger. She's 23 or something like that, so it gives, it gives a little younger voice with these two old guys talking about their, their movies they love. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a fun, fun show, actually. So I started listening to the third episode. I'm just amazed anyone can get a word in around to it. <laughs> well, like, he does not leave pauses no, for... No, he doesn't. But what do you think? Like, they do, <laughs> that's not a Quentin Tarantino thing. Yeah, yeah. He, he seems more generous in the conversations that they're having. So I think, yeah. I think when he's talking with someone... And they ask him of something that he's interested in talking about. He does tend to want to fill a lot of the space up with his own. I would be voice, curious. Um, <laughs> I would be. I would be curious if you had like Kevin Smith and Quentin Tarantino on a podcast like that together. Mm. Uh, who'd get to talk? Well, here's the interesting thing: is that the reason I knew this came out was because for whatever reason in my YouTube feed, um, Quentin Tarantino was on the Jimmy Fallon show, but J- Jimmy Fallon wasn't the host. It was mm. Dana Carvey. Yeah. So you can imagine that battle of who gets to speak the most. So mm-hmm. that was it. So Dana Carvey took up a lot of beginning of the. Uh, a lot of nervous energy there. A lot of nervous energy. And he's a big fan of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, I know. So he was filling. Oh, he's doing a lot of a lot of doing a lot of imitations. And oh, boy. Like that. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. That's fair fun. enough. Fair enough. Because I think I think there's another guy. I don't know if it was Colin Quinn or someone they had on the show who was also a huge fan and watched it like 13 times or something like that. Yeah slightly beating for a certain for a certain like <laughs> r- like you it just there's it just in the pocket of like this one age group mm. who like really likes movies that is the movie for them that's yeah, yeah. their that's their youth that's their mm, that yeah. time yeah yeah it's, it's lisa's favorite uh tarantino film for sure yeah hmm. okay not All a right. big tarantino fan but that's definitely her fair favorite. enough 
All right. Like, I'll often come home and she'll be watching it. <laughs> okay. I don't, of course, I've already seen it. I don't need to see it again. It's mm-hmm. a point. Uh, you get to get more out of it. Eh, sometimes. Yep. Sometimes you watch a movie and you're like, that wasn't as good as I remembered it. Well, it depends. Like, I, I think we watch movies differently. Like, when you say that when you watch movies, you watch a movie, you always follow the plot yeah. perfectly. You get it. You don't think of where this could go. You watch the movie yeah. and watch it unfold and absorb yeah. it. And so, yeah, I think like when you get to the end of a movie, you've had a complete experience. Whereas when I'm watching a movie, quite often I'll be thinking, oh, this reminds me of this. Oh, I wonder where this will go. Oh, I think this will probably go there. Oh, this will go there. Oh, if this doesn't go there, well, that would have been a good plot anyway. <laughs> I should remember that plot. Okay. And so the second time I watch a movie... I know where the movie's going. Yeah. So then I can enjoy other aspects. Like I can go, now that I know where it's going, I can see the things that it's set up that I wouldn't have recognized mm. the first time around. Sure. Like I'm just starting to watch um, Thor Love and Thunder again. And there's just some things in the first scene that I'm like, oh, okay. This makes, all right, that pays off a lot later on that, you know, the little girl is doing this and they're doing this and this is happening with this. And it's like, okay, you know, it's not perfect. You know, by any means, but it's like, yeah, this all this all makes sense, and it's a different movie the second time. Yeah. So that's why I think I don't feel like I'm watching the same movie the second time. I feel like I am watching a different movie the second time, just because of the knowledge of the seeing it the first time. Yeah. Yeah. What's the movie you've seen the most times? Probably Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Okay. Which I've seen over ten times. How many times have you seen um, It's a Wonderful Life? Probably four times. Okay. I don't need to see it again. I've probably seen it about 30, maybe 40 times. Wow, that's a lot. I'll see it like every year if I, if yeah. I can. I mean, what I want from a movie, I think more than more than going, oh, it's interesting how they set up the camera, <laughs> which is, sometimes I'm interested in that and I'll watch a movie in that, in that light, but I want the emotional impact of it. You know, the first time I watched It's a Wonderful Life, that scene where he turns his deaf ear to, to uh, Mary and she says, I'll love you for the rest of my life, that's very moving to me. The first time I saw it, I was like, oh, that's that gets you. Mm-hmm. But your fourth time, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that happening. So it's, just, it's not the same to me anymore. Like, sure. I, don't, I don't feel the same way about the it's, movie. It's very rare that I don't pick up something new each time mm-hmm. from from a film. Okay. It's very, very rare. Yeah. Yeah. There's something like in the background or there's something, mm. you know, or because you know where a character is going to go and their destiny, yeah. then the impact of what they say earlier, you know, means more mm. to you. But yeah, it does fuck me up when I'm seeing a mystery sometimes because like <laughs> I've gone off on my own track <laughs> and I've written down my own ending to a movie that I will then use later for myself because yeah. you didn't use it. Yeah. <laughs> because you didn't use it. I get to use it. That's and fair. That's fair. That's, that's perfectly 100% fair, fair. For sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I just, yeah, I have a different uh, approach to it. And um, I was going to say something else about it, but now I can't remember what it was. But it's, I just think, yeah, I just, and I feel like a movie that, um, often a movie that I, I enjoyed so much because the ending really emotionally affected me or whatever. When I watch it again, the emotional element's gone. And so I'm just watching the film and, and some of the problems with it become more apparent as I'm watching it. And I'm just kind of like, oh, this is not quite as moving as I remember it and it's not quite as good as I remember it so mm-hmm. and that's that's the, to me the danger of rewatching films and this movie I mean I just went and saw I just went and saw Jaws with, uh, with David M the other night because it was playing in 3D they've done right. a 3D conversion a of, the, of a different experience the first film and it is a different experience with 3D I thought it was fine-ish I didn't think it was great was it interesting seeing it with a room full of people it wasn't really that busy oh that's too bad that's what I was hoping for that would have been interesting it was yeah. at a big theater at at uh 
what used to be Tinseltown, whatever, International Village Cinemas, whatever clumsy name they've. Yeah. That's better than Tinseltown. No, it's not. But um, Cinemark Movie Rolla. All right, whatever. <laughs> so there's like. Film hole. I think there was like 10 of us in the theater. No, that's too bad. So yeah, it would have been way more Wait, fun. It was in 3D at, at, at Tinseltown? Yeah. They have 3D technology at Tinseltown? I've never seen a 3D movie. We, had, at we saw Dread there. In 3D? Mm-hmm. Oh, geez. It was only in 3D. They only showed in theaters in 3D. Oh, my God. That's so weird. That okay, was a, it seems like such that a That was a really good 3D theater. movie. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because they had that slow motion stuff yeah. with, with the slow-mo drug. That was a very... That movie was designed... Like, when you watch a movie that's designed for 3D, that's when it's interesting to me. Like, when you watch a movie that's... You know, like, David has a... a like, a projector and a screen in his living room now at his, right. at his place. And so he often will insist that I watch 3D movies, although he knows I'm not a big fan of them. But and so then I, he has these special glasses that turn on and they like do some sort of thing that processes the image into 3D. But we were watching um, Andy Warhol's Fresh for Frankenstein, which is a fun film, and I've I've seen it, but I've never seen it in 3D. So he had the 3D version, so he watched it, and that was really fun 3D because it's about the spectacle of 3D as well as the movie, which is kind of a spect- spectac- spectacular film in the sense of being a spectacle. And there's a scene in it where like, the character's going to grab a scalpel off of a surgical table. And so the table doesn't exist. They just have all of the surgical instruments lined up on a wire, right. a couple of wires suspended in front of the actor. So the camera is shooting through them towards the actor. And so those are like floating in front of your face in 3D. Nice. And it's a very cool effect. And then there's another scene when, spoilers, Frankenstein gets uh, killed near the end of the film, uh, Udukir. He's got this lance through him. And it's like literally like out of the screen in front of you, like <laughs> poking, poking towards your face. And it's very effective in 3D. It's really cool. Joss had nothing like that to it. The only scene in the film where the, where the image was kind of coming out of the screen was very near the beginning, well, almost right near the beginning, when... The deputy is cr- is kind of uh, up- upset after finding the girl's body, and he's sitting kind of by the fence that's kind of like a little kind of broken down fence along the beach, and that was the only thing that was like kind of sticking out of the screen a little bit was this fence. Nothing else in the movie was like, even the shark coming out of the water wasn't really spectacular in three D. Hmm. How about uh, the scene where uh, you do the uh, focus pull with uh, uh, Roy Scheider? Yeah, Roy Scheider. Yeah, with the, with that that famous focus pull. Where yeah, it's going but it's just it's just him. So there's no sense of depth. And the, oh, that's too bad. And the like, background is not I was in focus. Like, that would be the one scene that I'm yeah. like, I wonder what that looks like in 3D. How that if they mm-hmm. made that look interesting. Well, one thing that I noticed because I'd never seen them in 3D before, so I was kind of looking for things in 3D. What I noticed that Spielberg loves to do in this film, anyway, is uh, to highlight a subject is to put them in focus in against the out of focus background. Right. And so that really doesn't help you with your 3D because you're not you don't have any layers to layer into to depth. Oh, okay. You know, like even the scene in the movie where the orca is sailing out to sea and the camera tracks through through Quint's um, shop or whatever it is and boathouse, I guess, and then it goes it goes through the teeth like there, there's a the teeth of the shark in the window yeah. and it kind of pans through them almost or tell, uh, should say uh, not pans but um, dollies through them right. even that wasn't like any kind of depth I would be very curious if they could use really good 3D mm-hmm. on Jaws 3D 
and see if that in any way makes it better. Yeah, because there's some shit 3D in that. Like, he said he it. got a real headache seeing that in the theater. It's a bad, it's yeah. a bad 3D job. Yeah, but like if you if you could make that work, I'm just curious. Mm. Like it would be interesting. I want to see coming at you in really good 3D. What is coming at you? That was a movie that came out in the mid 80s, early 80s. Oh, that was, was a 3D. It was film. a 3D movie, and it was full of like arrows, flaming arrows being shot at right, you. Right, I do remember everything that. coming at you. So it was the idea of it was that it was. Real spectacle 3D. And that's what, because yeah. if and, you're and seeing the, 3D, that's por- what you and want. And the porn version didn't have to change its name, which is always nice. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, I've seen Jaws. That was coming on you. <laughs> sure. I've seen Jaws quite a few times. Yeah. It would be interesting, because there's so many people I know who have seen Jaws, mm. to like go, okay, let's go to a theater and see Jaws 2, because it's not terrible okay like it's actually if you're just going for like a movie of that era that's a pretty good movie of that era okay unfortunately you're going to compare it to jaws which is a perfect movie yeah yeah that's a problem okay you know it's the it's the indiana jones 3 situation it's like well i mean raiders is perfect raiders yeah third one is it's okay but it's okay you're gonna you're gonna be okay you're gonna have an okay time sure but that's what jaws 2 is basically You know, and it doesn't have Robert Shaw in it, which is the other problem. And Robert Shaw is such a, a lifter of uh, of that mm, yeah. movie. Like he comes in just at the right time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's such a wild card. You yeah. don't know. Like, are they in even danger? Spielberg didn't know what was he was going to do? Oh, is that right? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, but when they're on the boat together, you're just like, this guy could go either way. Like, mm-hmm. this guy could go nuts. This yeah. guy could like push, uh, you know, one of them overboard. <laughs> yeah, like, this guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a good part of that. Take all the money, yeah, like yeah, you know, yeah. he could. Like I don't know what his story is. Yeah, well, he's. It's basically like a, a mini Moby Dick part there, where he's Ahab and the shark is, is is Moby Dick because he's obsessed with getting him. He you know he won't. Right. He smashes the radio so they can't radio for help. He just it's him versus shark. You know? Right, but Ishmael is then this nerdy nebbish, <laughs> you know, with a lot of. Oh uh, no, that would be Roy Scheider would be Ishmael. Well, right? he's the, he's. He's the the one survivor after the. Uh, I mean, I know Richard yeah. appears afterwards, but the true survivor of, yeah, of the shark fair. attack. That's is fair. I'm just thinking, like, because it's kind of a friendship story about those two. Yeah, he's Quigquig. Okay, does Quigquig make friends with harp- Ahab? He's the harpooner. You know, he makes friends with Ishmael. Okay, well, and because Schneid- oh, I guess they do as well. Yeah, but like a lot of it is like these two guys are such opposites. The rugged, arr, yeah. and you know, rich boy. Science boy, yeah, yeah, you know, like they're gonna hate each other, sure. and they're like, "Look at my leg, look at my leg, look at my this, look at my this," and it's like, "Oh, this is a very sweet scene. Yeah. This is a very sweet bonding scene uh, between the two of them." That's what I was gonna bring up. Actually, was when that scene started, um, I actually fell asleep for a little while. Oh, okay, because I've seen that. I've seen that scene now. Like, that was like my fourth time watching it, and I'm just I don't want to see it anymore. So I just like. <sighs> And then when the action started again, I was like, "Oh, oh, okay, good. We're back to the movie. That's good. We don't need. I don't need that Indianapolis scene again. I like. Bonding. I've seen it. <laughs> I need the drama and the bonding and the acting. <laughs> Enough of that. Yeah, but I've seen it. So sure. It's, there's no emotional content there for me by this point. I mean, it's, you know, it's like, oh, that's good acting. We are very different on that. Kind of thing. <laughs> I think I'm. I think a bit of that might come from, and who knows if this is the case or not. But because I did so many plays and stuff, mm. and so so much of that is like, do it, do it again, do it again, do it again. Find mm. the depth, find the depth, find the new in what's uh, while you're memorizing it. And so, yeah, it's not just a one-time thing. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I, I and so when I'm watching something a second or third time, I'm, yeah, I'm trying to find something in it second or third time. Or if I see a play 
more times. You know, mm-hmm. it's like though I did pushing limits. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was offered uh, comps recently to Bart on the Beach, and I was like, "Oh, what are they doing? They're doing uh, Midsummer Night's Dream and Romeo and Juliet." Ugh. Can't do it. <laughs> Cannot have seen them enough. Done. Sure. You know, if if it was a wild card, if it was a Titus Andronicus, if it was something Love's Labor's Lost, I don't know what that is, fine. Yeah, yeah. Or even The Tempest, I could probably take The Tempest. But like, just, no, I can't. It's just, I can't see, I can't see Midsummer Night's Dream again. I can't, I can't do it. I can't, I won't be able to find the depth to it. (laughs) Yeah. I'll watch. I've seen so many versions. I'll watch Midsummer Night's Sex Comedy. Yeah, that's what, that's what it was called, a Midsummer Night's Sex Comedy. Did that have like a giant boob going across? No, you're thinking of everything you want to know about sex, but we're but, but we're afraid to ask. Right? Did a Midsummer Night's Sex comedy? Did that go to the plot of a Midsummer Night's Dream? I don't think so. I don't. It's been a while since I saw that one. I know. I used I, to go through things where I'd watch like every one of the movies, and uh, I've forgotten that one. That one has uh, vanished from I my head. It's in the theater. Hmm. It came at a time when Woody Allen movies would play briefly in at, in Delta. Hmm. Like if you were at what theater? At Scott seventy two, really? Yeah, I saw okay. I saw that movie there. I saw Zelig there. I saw Broadway Danny Rose there. Yeah. Oh, that's weird. I'm, I'm thinking like, but you had to like skedaddle. You had to get there and and uh, make sure. I you feel saw like it. that theater opened in nineteen eighty four. No, it's earlier than that. Three? No, I guess you're maybe you're right. Maybe around our time of because our, I, there was a guy. in No, my, it was before before we graduated. It was there before was we graduated. A, oh yeah, it was before we graduated. So yeah. eighty four is when I graduated. So okay, uh, I just remember there was a there was a guy in my class, and it was in I believe it was in North Delta, mm-hmm. St. area, I think. Don't think it was in Burnsview. Uh, who was like, oh, I just got a job working at this theater, guys. The seats are so plush. <laughs> They're so soft. You wouldn't believe it because movie theater seats yeah, yeah. were like hard on the ass. Yeah. And it was like, these were like nice plush mm-hmm. seats. And he was just like selling us on it. You're going to love this theater. Oh, you could sit there. You could see like three movies and you're fine. You're yeah. fine. And yeah, when I got there, I was like, yeah, it doesn't get better than this. And that's before raked seating. Yeah. yeah. Once, once we got raked seating, it was like, these are garbage. Yeah. These are garbage. I, I can't believe I can I'll barely see over a guy's head. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah. raked ceiling. I never have to, uh, or seating. I never mm-hmm. have to, like, go, oh. It's weird Please, that no man, one, take off your hat. It's weird that no one thought of that. I guess, I guess cinemas were just built into, put into buildings. Well, you could do two theaters. That it would have made more sense to do two theaters and have the flat seating. That yeah. would have made sense to have one theater with the raked ceiling uh, seating. Stop saying ceiling. Uh, but seating. they were just like they, most of the theaters that we went to as kids were. Yeah. I mean, were just one. That's true. Theater. So maybe it's uh, maybe just more expensive. Like it's more. Yeah. You got to put got to plan stuff. Okay. But I think it's more that they were just buildings. Yeah. And then they were made into theaters. They weren't built as theaters. They were also based on old timey like theaters. You know, they used to see plays in the yeah, yeah, day. So, like, who would have gotten the idea of, like, making them great? <laughs> and then someone gets the idea of, hey, how about uh, we make them, like, lazy boy chairs? And, like, you can put your, your mm. feet up. Mm. It's like, dear Lord, now I can't go to a regular theater. Like, oh, really? Like, if I got a choice of that or that, I mean, I understand you're a sleepy boy and you're going to, like, uh, <laughs> not off. Uh, but, like, yeah. I'm not a... I think those seats are fine. I prefer like a regular theater seats. Well, you can the ones sit that regular t- style. No one's forcing you. When, the ones that tilt back. I, that's what I, I like. But uh, okay. I find those ones a little... Well, these tilt back. Yeah, I know. You know? And your legs go up. So the best of both worlds, you're fine. Yeah, they're fine. Well, there's no negative to it to you because you don't. If you want to sit normal, you sit normal. You just don't yeah, have yeah. to hit the button. I don't know. I just, I don't, it doesn't affect you in any I don't any find way. them as comfortable as, as... I don't find them that comfortable. Okay. I know it's weird that, uh, yeah, they don't do it for me. They're fine. 
They're fine. I don't hate them. What's your favorite uh, theater for comfort in uh, Vancouver or this area? Or And I'll also accept Washington. <laughs> I Actually, I really like um, the seats at uh, Colossus. Okay. In, in the regular theaters. Their IMAX theater is awful. Oh, why? It's just too too cramped. Mm. Like, because it's designed, it, like, when you get an IMAX theater put in there, like, specially designed as an IMAX theater. It's like a, I guess, for the way the sound travels or whatever, and then how the screen is. But then I guess they wanted to maximize the space that they had. And so everything is, the seats feel na- narrower. Everything feels mm. closer together. Like you feel like like you're sitting too close to your neighbor. And it's okay if it's your kid, but if it's some guy, you don't know. Like, blah. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, it's just. It's just oh, sitting next weird. to a stranger? That's weird now. And also the seats are kind of like that. Maybe I don't like leather that much because they're, they're also leather seats. Ah, that might be it. They're kind of like vinyl seats or whatever. They're not like the, the cloth seats, which I prefer. Yeah, it's just a lot of stuff I don't like about it. But I do like seeing movies in IMAX, so I, I put up with the seats that aren't great just so I can see an IMAX movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, those are those are quite good seats. Um, the seats at the Tinseltown I thought were good too last when I saw them on. Mm-hmm. They're very comfortable. I fell asleep. It's good. Yeah, they're good basic seats. Yeah, That's yeah. good uh, money in the bank. Uh, feel like you're just in an old-timey movie theater seats. Yeah, yeah. That was fine. Um, and they'll show some weird films too, which is nice. The same... same like I went and saw the movie with David, and then we went back to his his, his place, and then we watched um, Inside Lou and Davis, which was kind of funny to see mm-hmm. a spectacle like Jaws, and then see a very small film like Inside Lou and Davis, which actually the second time I'd seen it, and I did enjoy watching it twice. Actually, I have forgotten my theory on it, but I had a big theory on it, and I can't remember it, but involved the cat. Oh well, oh uh, maybe. You know, I'd never. I saw. You know, I obviously saw it, but I had forgotten and. Sp- People, if you don't know, if this is maybe I don't know if it's a spoiler, but the movie ends the way it starts. Mm. Like it, so when you see the movie, it has an opening scene that feels like it can it's the next day, but it's not. It goes back yeah. a month or whatever, and then it tells you the story to get back to that night. Yeah, and then the movie ends there, and so in a way, it's a loop. Yeah. So if you watch the film, it's basically a, a inside. Yeah, loop, there's something to it, and, and, and the cat. I had a theory about the cat that I was like really proud of on the way home. And I was like, I think that the, you know, the cat is this. And it was like, and people were like, oh, this could be about the right. You might be right. Yeah. I'm like, oh. And uh, I've now since uh, blanked on that. <laughs> I also really like the songs in it. The songs are really good. And Oscar Isaac does a great job singing on those songs in the movie and playing guitar and stuff. It's really yeah. The Hey Mr. Kennedy song I have playing in my head quite often. That's fun with uh, Justin Timberlake and uh, a, Adam, uh, a young Adam Driver, Driver who we d- didn't really know at that time very, very well. And Unless you were watching Girls. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't watch that show. So, And then, um, yeah, and it's just fun. Like I was watching, I was just thinking while, while I was watching it, what it would have been fun like to have people invest as much detail and, and love into like a movie about say San Francisco, 1967, you know, or New York, 1976 or London, 1977 or something like that, you know, just this, that kind of like a character study with a lot of interesting analogs of real people, but not them actual real people, but just sort of, you know, like Jim and Jean, uh, you know, who are analogs for, you know, a certain type of folk, group singing you know and then and then the, the guy um um that actor anyway he plays like a he owns the gate of horn okay and is also a manager you know okay. so he's kind of like a standard for albert grossman i feel who created peter paul and mary albert grossman peter paul and mary were his idea they weren't like an organic group that already existed oh, okay. and that he started managing he thought 
it would be a good idea to have a group called Peter, Paul, and Mary. <laughs> and then he just found the people to be Peter, Paul, and Mary. Wait, were they actually called Peter, Paul, and Mary? Yes, they were, yeah. But he just found two guys named... Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. I think he already knew them. I think he already knew them, and he just thought, oh, this okay. would be perfect. Because that's a hell of a thing to just go, I want to have a band called uh, yeah. Bob, Larry, and... Uh, and Rachel. And it's like, now let's audition people with those names. Well, Paul Stuckey's real name was Noel. So he had to uh, do a little bit of a change. Okay, well, that's what I was wondering. Because <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. that's, a, that's I think an it, odd... Yeah, yeah. But that that's that was the idea. So just little things like that about it. And, you know, just like Lewin Davis could be Dave Van Ronk, people say. But we, we don't know, like, who, exactly who everyone is. But it just it's just elements of... You know, it's just sort of like um, for a music lover, composites. it's a nice deep dive for you. Yeah, you get it on a different level. Yeah, you can see like the beginnings of the the great folk scare, as Peter Stamfel called it. You know, this would be that would be an interesting idea for a podcast too. Is just like second level, and then like you have someone who's like a real music fan. Yeah, and then you talk about the movie, and it's someone who is just like you know just seeing it as a movie. And yeah, yeah. Like I get it for this, or there's like a sports thing, and someone who really knows mm-hmm. the sport mm-hmm. or baking or whatever or whatever you know <laughs> if it was like like watching punchline and i'd just be like okay this is why this is makes no sense <laughs> on every freaking level first of all lockers no one's got lockers <laughs> that would be good if you actually had like experts come in and discuss it's the biggest night of my life and again i always say this is the scene that like makes me just go ah it's like it's the biggest <laughs> night of my life the biggest contest of my life okay what are you ready yeah i got all new material <laughs> Not well, not road you, tested. sir, are an idiot. <laughs> Possibly a lunatic. That's right. Wow. I guess All they kind of do that. new material, eh? I guess they sort of do that on YouTube with those sort of like experts watching uh, movies with with uh, parkour scenes or whatever in them. And then they kind of yeah. comment. Actual yeah. safe crackers. Yeah, yeah. You know, watch safe cracking. Yeah. Like, mm, it's pretty good. <laughs> Read it. Yeah, like I always like their scales because they're so arbitrary, and you're like, I, I don't, I don't understand what you, what, what your system is here. What, what are you criticizing or not criticizing? You seem a big fan of these things. Mm-hmm. Disagree, sir. Yeah, I do watch a lot of them about baking and whatnot and cooking, and uh, and yeah, the chefs are like so snobby about it. And it's just like, yeah, this is for entertainment purposes. <laughs> That's why they're doing it like this style. If we actually watch you slowly cook a steak, yeah. Ugh, you know, <laughs> like yeah, I guess it's okay to watch. Like I like the scene in Big Night at the at the end where they cook like an omelet. But it's like an omelet takes a short time to mm. cook. I can watch that, but I, and they're still editing the cutting and stuff like that. No, it was a one shot. Oh, it's a one shot. Yeah, oh, the, wow. the final scene in Big Night is like an overhead shot, and you see, uh, you know, come are, back after the Big Night. Are they talking or is it just no? Totally that's silent. the thing too. Oh, because like they I've had their, they had their fight. And so, like, one brother makes uh, another brother an omelet. Mm, it's, mm. Kind of, it's a very sweet scene. Yeah. But, like, by the end of it, you're just like, God damn, I want a fucking omelet. <laughs> it's just so simple. It's yeah, yeah. Tucci and uh, Monk. Uh, oh, yeah. Tony Shalhoub. Tony Shalhoub. Yeah. Huh. Well, I always want to say is Adrian. And I've, I've called him Adrian before on this show. I don't know why I want to call him Adrian. Because his name's Adrian Monk. May, oh, is he? No. I don't, I don't know. I've never seen an episode of Monk, so I wouldn't know. I watched a little bit of it. Yep. That's all you need to see. Yep. You don't need to watch all of it. Yep. That's just silly. You know it's going to not be great after a while. Get off what you can. Yeah, I like it. Uh, listen, I've been trying to watch Extraordinary uh, Woo. Uh, do you know this this thing? This is a nope. Korean uh, show. It was okay. recommended to me by our friend Louise. Okay. And, uh, and her sister Jackie. 
And uh, it's, uh, I think it's just called Extraordinary Woman. It might be called more than that. Mm. But she is, uh, she's a court, a lawyer. Okay. And, uh, and she's got autism and it's okay. Korean. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, so, you know, she's always like seeing whales and stuff in her head and you see like things from her perspective. Mm. And she's got her own way definitely of looking at things. But then, you know, her abilities in the end, you know, she's yeah. able to like usually do it. At is least it, the ones I've it's, seen. It's probably called The Good Lawyer. Well, this is the thing. That was also like I, I went like, is this by the same people that made the Good Doctor? Because the Good Doctor was originally Korean, okay, and then it got uh, redone in six different countries. Oh wow! And it's like couldn't be more popular in every one of the countries. Yeah. So I'm like, well, makes sense. You got your lawyer thing, mm-hmm. but it's a very sweet, uh, very, 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 very sweet show. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. But... <laughs> At first, it sounded like you were having trouble getting into it. Yeah. Oh no, I was having trouble getting into it because like. Once you, if you could just show me the beginning and the end, yeah, I'm good. Okay, you know, it's like a Columbo episode. It's yeah. just like show me the start, yeah, show me the end. Maybe one of the fights in the middle. Great, you know, there's an obstacle in the middle. Show me that, yeah, and then the rest just feels like, yeah, it's charming, but it feels like padding. I'm, I'm fine. I get it. Yeah, just show me the things. It's like any episode of Law and Order. Show me the beginning, okay, and then the cops show up. All right, they're making a sarcastic comment about the corpse. That's weird. Okay, uh, if it's like the sex one, then uh, they pick the wrong guy and beat him up. That's weird. A little ice tea's a little condescending. All right, it's better later on. Uh, they have give him a gay son. That's nice. Uh, all right, there we got that. And uh, then they, you know what? Uh, just get to where they pick him up. You pick him up. Great. Okay, we start in the court. Great. Uh, there's gonna be some twists. You got the wrong guy. I know. There's something wrong. Yeah. There's an extra bit of evidence at the end. Just get me to the point where you get the extra bit of evidence. Yeah. Oh, hey, you know, we found his mother. Really? Yeah. She's a homeless woman living in Central Park. Is she now? Yeah. And she saw everything. Okay. Well, bring her in. And then there's the big thing. Da, 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 da. And there's a little twist at the end. Ba, 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 da, da. Did we do the right thing? Do we ever? Da, 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 da. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, all I need. Okay. I get it. It's, it's funny. Now that... Um... Three's Company. All right. What's the misunderstanding? Show me the end. <laughs> well, why watch any of it? Because uh, this is Suzanne Summers, you fool. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say that I've been uh, I've been enjoying horror movies again, which I kind of went off of for a while. Oh, nice. I don't know if that was maybe lockdown related. Just didn't feel like in the midst of... <laughs> when there was a death plague yeah, going on? You weren't really down of, with scene. Middle of things like real Reports horror Reports on the news on. every night about how many people die. Yeah. Didn't yeah. really make you want to see horror movies? <laughs> Some reason. Yeah, if yeah, but now I can be antisocial again. It's 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 kind of nice. Yeah. So uh, this uh, I've been enjoying enjoying my Shutter subscription and then uh, watching. I watched um, Jennifer's Body the other day, which, which is about what? Oh, I didn't realize it's uh, written by Diab- Diablo Cody. Oh, I think that was the only thing about it I did know. Okay, yeah, I didn't know. I didn't didn't know anything about it. I just I just saw it uh, in you know like a list of movies. I think on Amazon Prime, and I went. Oh, I think I I think this movie had some good things said about it somewhere. So I I uh, started watching it. Apparently, it was a bit of a disaster, a financial disaster. But it's actually a very good film. And it's too bad that uh, it wasn't marketed maybe better. I don't know. I don't know exactly okay. what happened. She, to oh it. yeah, she also did Young Adult. I like that. Oh, I didn't really enjoy Young Adult. That was time. the yeah the Patton Oswalt yeah, yeah. one. Charlie Theron. She also yeah. did uh, Ricky and the Flash. Have not seen that. Saw that once again. I thought it was okay. Okay. And I didn't see Tully. Once again, thought it was so-so. <laughs> Those okay. ones I knew that she did. But for whatever reason, that, uh, um, whatever it's called now, I bet Jennifer's body uh, mm-hmm. 
escaped me. It has. Um, oh, she also did. Sorry, she did United States of Terror. I forgot about that. Mm, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, and it's, but it was fun. It was a fun film. It was, uh, Megan Fox is good. Megan Fox is really good in it, and really uh, brave in it as well. Like willing to uh, not be glamorous through a whole movie, which I think is is always nice for actresses when they're not expected so to can look you give great the all the time. Gist of what the movie is about. So was. the movie is. I was talking with Mary about it last night, and um, and she said, "Happy birthday, by the way, to Mary." Yes, thank you. Yes, Mary turned uh, Mary turned older. Oh, she turned older this she time. She turned older this. That this is year. nice. She made that mistake before, like turning younger <laughs> a couple of years. And uh, she's enjoying her PDP, her her teaching program, and so that's good. So she seemed, we went and had uh, pizza last night together, the fam, and it was very enjoyable. It's nice to All see right. you. to see everyone. I, just sitting there, just briefly to go away from Jennifer's body for a second, and the girls were. Um, Eve was discussing something. She was. She's also thinking about going into teaching. Hmm. And although she deals with kids every day, you know, as part of the, the Y program, she supervises uh, preschool and after-school daycare, and now has a second job uh, doing uh, lunchtime supervision at a local school as well. So she's filling all her hours with work. Uh, but now she also wants to do some in-class volunteering because all those things that she does have no bearing at all on PDP. Oh. So even though you're working with kids Jeez. and yeah, so so she has to get some in class time as well. So she's going. So I'm going to go to this school mm-hmm. because it's an inner city school. It's probably the third worst school in the, in the district in Chilliwack. And so I'm going to uh, volunteer there. Yeah. And I was like, oh, why are you volunteering there? She goes, well, if I volunteer there because I have work time there, I already have done supervision at the second and first worst schools. In, okay. in Chilliwack, that means I won't have to do my practicum there because there's a conflict of interest, and so I don't have to go to those schools. And then, so she lifted, listed a bunch of schools that she could go to. Uh, then those would all be better, she said. So, and she's talking this, and I'm just like, "What? How come I am so ineffective as a human being? Well, how did I make these creatures that are so like clever mm-hmm. and like can plan ahead and make good decisions?" And Mary, you know, like she's always talking about how, like with PDP, you know, like she goes, "Oh, well, you know, when I when I found that I was." Only made it onto the when she originally applied, she only made it onto the waiting list. Mm-hmm. What does PDP stand for? Uh, professional development program. Okay, it's for a teach to become a school yeah. teacher. And so she, so when that happened, she immediately like booked uh, uh, an appointment with a with a university counselor, so she could discuss like options and how she could da da da. I'm just like, how do you know to do that? Like, I wouldn't even occur to me. Like the whole time I went to university, I never thought of like going to a counselor and discussing. Uh, anything or how you know like i don't know how these kids are so smart i have a theory their father is an idiot i have a theory about their that. mother's smart that's true that's true i'm not gonna i'm not gonna put any of that down <laughs> i think there's a, i think it's a different situation for uh youth yeah uh, today and that like uh when we were going to college the idea was if you went to college you get a job yeah whereas the idea is if you go to college now Okay, that's the step. Yeah. And now you got to do a lot of other steps because yeah. there's not a lot of jobs out there. Mm. So it's like just because you're qualified for something doesn't mean you get to do it. Yeah. So you better find a way of, uh, you know, covering a lot more bases than we had to cover when we were going to school. Yeah, you know? I guess. Yeah, it's just weird. Like, I just I just didn't know. Like, I just didn't understand the resources that were available to me. And I that's something that I wish I'd, wish I'd known, but I didn't have anyone to tell me right. in my life. So it helps when you have people who... I was talking about my friend at work about about this because he was talking about teaching your kids, and I said I don't think we really teach our kids. I think we model for our children. 
you know? Because if you try to teach your kids, they're not going to listen. You know, it's just mm-hmm. mom and dad. But you model things for them. So the things you do in your life, they will they will copy. Yeah. If you do bad things, they will copy your bad things. If you do good things, they'll copy your good well, things. Well, you're the environment. Yeah, yeah, you create the environment for them, exactly. I think that makes a difference, you know. Like, uh, I don't think my parents really, you know, whether they meant to or not, I don't think they really prepared <laughs> prepared me or my brothers very well for, for real life. I got a pretty strong cautionary tale from my dad that was like, oh, he hates uh, what he does. Okay. <laughs> okay. So at least I know what not to do. Yeah, yeah. Don't. I know don't manage a glass factory. <laughs> It's not even that. It's don't do what you don't want to do. You know, well, if you can avoid it. Well, there's a certain amount of like you've got to sometimes do elements of things that you don't sure, want to do. Sure. Even in a job that you do what you want to do. Yeah. In fact, you're going to probably have to do a lot more of things you don't want to do in a job that you do want to do because, you know, there's going to be more to it and you're going to care. Yeah, yeah. Whereas you can half-ass it through a job that you uh, don't, I don't guess. care about. But there's also the, the, the soul-killing element of just going every day to, to mean that you loathe. Sometimes. Well, loathe is a, is a tough one. It's like. Yeah, but then there's also the soul-killing element of, like, you know, you do the thing that you love, and so you care more so that when things go wrong, it hurts more. Yeah. You know, if you care, you know, you want to be a doctor. Okay. Well, you're going to love helping people. Yeah, well, you're going to have a lot of problems, too, with, like, things go wrong. and But you're still doing the thing that you yeah. love, but yeah. it's going to hurt you more than if you work at a footlocker and you don't really care about it. Mm-hmm. But then you don't really care when things go wrong as much either. Sure. Because there's less uh, stakes. Yeah. It, is, it depends on the person, of course. Some people yep. who work at Foot Locker care about working at Foot Locker. So. Do they? Yeah. Find that person. <laughs> find that person who cares at working at Foot Locker. <laughs> I can find people who care about working where I work, and that's not much different than working at Foot Locker. So. I don't think anyone's ever compared uh, <laughs> your job to Foot Locker. Have I'm they? just saying. Have know. they? Foot Locker? No. You don't, yeah, I mean, it's a job. Foot Locker is the job that you jobs. get when you're like, oh, fuck, I got to get a job. <laughs> and you're right? like walking through the mall just going, you got to get something. Yeah. Slurp on Orange Julius. Look over, walk over to Foot Locker. Do yeah. you uh, have any applications? Oh, uh, yeah, we got some applications. We're just uh, looking at this person's foot right now. Okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, there you go. We're looking. Yeah, okay, we'll let you know. All right. Hey, can you work on. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, you work at Foot Locker. Okay. Yeah, that's how it goes. Huh. Come in. Let me be right. I don't know. I don't really. I don't know a Foot Locker. What about Sport Check? Is it the same? Oh, no, very different. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a passion project. <laughs> That's a dream. What are you talking about comparing those two? How dare you? <laughs> you an idiot. That's right. But anyway, um, Jennifer's Sorry. body. Um, so Mary was, what Mary really enjoyed about it, she said, was, she said, it, what it gets really right is the, the, the intense friendship you can, that two girls can have with each other, mm-hmm. where they both love each other so much and hate each other so much at the same time. Sure. And uh, she said, it's so, so perfect. Um, so in the film, uh, Jennifer, played by Megan Fox, is this, of course, vivacious, beautiful high schooler, you know, that's uh, friends with a less vivacious, less beautiful, but played by Amanda Seyfried. So obviously still beautiful. It's kind of one of those weird movie things where you're like, yeah. she wears glasses. Oh, what a dog. But um, and so uh, they go. And so uh, Jennifer, the, the Megan Fox character, is m- much more like alive and vivacious, and and loves boys and all, and all that sort of stuff. Is, you know, and so she convinces uh, Amanda Seyfried's character to go to this bar to see this band that's coming to town called Low Shoulder. And these guys are a bunch of douchebags. Uh, played the lead, the lead douchebag played great, <laughs> just great by Adam Brody, who's a fine, fine actor. Doesn't get enough work, in my opinion. See the, see the kid detective, everyone. Yes. 
Yes. Yeah, I really like that film. Yeah. Um, and so uh, they go to this show, and I didn't quite catch what happened here. I might have nodded off a little bit at this, because it was kind of late when I was watching it. Or I might have just not been paying enough attention. But something happens, the bar, the bar is lit on fire. Okay. Bar is set on fire. And so it's a big, you know, so people are running out, and there's a stampede, and there's some injuries, and they get out. And Jennifer, the Megan Fox character, is really shook up by this. And she, uh, she, uh, of course, this band is kind of gloms onto her and they're, you know, like, oh, you seem really, uh, you know, you don't look very good. Uh, maybe you come into her van and <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And so they convince her to go into the van. And so she just leaves. And of course, she loves this band. So she's like, kind of like, well, this is the dream of my lifetime, you know. And so then she, she gets into the van with these guys and leaves, leaves Amanda Seyfried's character behind. And then later that night, she appears. In Amanda Seyfried's house, and she's covered in blood. <laughs> okay. And then she vomits up this weird blue liquid. Okay, I'm with you. And then just like leaves. Sure, sure, yeah. And then it gets creepier. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's it's, a good. Uh, it's that's a, a good fun, scene. It's yeah. a fun. Uh, and it's a. It's you know it has elements of humor and stuff to it as well as uh, scary and little scares and stuff. So it's it's a. It was a good movie. Had it had um yeah Adam Brody. It had uh, the boy who plays young Neil in uh, Scott Pilgrim. Sure. He's uh, Madison Seyfried's boyfriend in the film. And then it has uh, J.K. Simmons, of course, because it's uh, produced by Ivan Reitman. So. Right. Now you got me wondering something about that. Uh, and I wondered if they're related, but they're not. Johnny Simmons. Yeah, yeah, is, yeah, yeah. I wondered. To, yeah, yeah, they're not. I looked it up because I was curious. Do you know what's weird? Mm. Is that Megan Fox is married to Brian Austin Green from 90210. Like They're guy. not anymore though, because she's going out with Machine Gun Kelly. Oh, was she? Okay. Or she was well, they anyway. Divorced in 2021. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, it's a year. <laughs> All right, fair enough. But sorry, I don't. Oh, just this. The what's the connection? Sorry. That. Uh, oh no, I was just like Brian Austin Green from 90210. It just is. It just was a surprise. Okay. To me. Okay. And this movie has a lot of fun with with like the sort of teen movies of that of that time period. Yeah. So it's kind of parodying those. The problem with it is a it kind of. It doesn't quite parry to them enough, or it doesn't oh, okay. accent that enough, or it's, it's kind of there's a little bit of a. I thought there was a bit of a too winky, too. Uh, this maybe uh, there's many a slip between cup and lip, so that this okay. felt like it kind of didn't quite get all the liquid into your mouth before it. Okay, and uh, but it was still enjoyable. I still I would recommend it as a as a movie. Mary loves it. So what's your uh, what's 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 your uh, main kind of um, nom 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 nom. For uh, horror movies, do you like like a ghostly horror movie, a vampire, a stabby? Uh, do you like? Uh, I need you know, atmosphere. Do you need something more realistic? Do you Not need necessarily surrealistic. You... I I need atmosphere from a okay. horror movie, and I need I need something that feels yeah something that creates like a a sense of tension or or dread. Okay. Once you do that, you've got me. You got me scared. Like most horror movies I watched, kind of like laying on my side, like in sort of a ho-hum position, like, you know, because they're just not that scary to me. And I think, and maybe it's just that, that part of my mind that even when I'm watching a movie that has like emotional elements to it, and that, because I need the emotion. Sure. You know, and so I need to feel what the characters are feeling, you know, and so like, uh, like a movie like The Ring, the American version of The Ring, I think is a very good film because it creates a very 
it succeeds. You like the ending too. Yeah, I love the ending too because it's such a twist on what was going on at that yeah. time period with all the good ghosts that were running around and like the devil's <laughs> backbone and the others and Sixth Sense and stuff like that. Or after a while, you're just kind of like, oh fuck this! Like every time there's a movie, the ghost comes out at the end, and they're just like, and this ghost saved the dog. Isn't that great? There was a ghost, and then the movie ends with the ghost waving from the window of the house, and you're just like, oh shut up. So that movie's great because it's just like we saved the ghost. Did you? Because that's not a good idea. This ghost is evil. And then the, you know, the ghost comes after them. And you're like, yay for the evil ghost. But also that movie, it has like lots of creep factor to it. You know, and it really sets up like, you know, the movie opens with like the girls having the phone call. And, you know, the one, and, you know, that's time or whatever. And then when they, and there's that great scene where like they open the door and they find the girl in there and her face is all distorted by, by fear. And it's just like so grotesque looking that it's, you're just like, ugh. And so after that, you're just like, oh, this is like, ugh. Oh, this movie is creepy and awful. And so no matter what happens after that, you're always like, oh, that's bad. And then, then the, you know, um, the character, the character um, Naomi Watts character goes to some island off Seattle on the ferry. And then like a horse gets loose and it, it panics and it falls off the ferry. There's no point to that scene other than it just creates a sense of like, oh, they just killed a horse. Like, oh, this... Ugh, like just her presence is scary to horses and, and there's like the dread and then the scene where they go to like the barn where the, Brian Cox is the dad speaking of Hannibal Lecter and then you know they're climbing up this ladder in the barn and the barn's creepy because it's nighttime of course they can't get there in the daytime it's a horror movie no one can arrive at daytime everything is some sort of dis- you get there no one no one ever comes to the haunted house and goes you know what it's like seven let's go get a mo- let's get a motel room we'll come back in the morning no they're just like well I gotta do this turn on the flashlight let's go into this haunted house yeah. And so they go, but they go in this barn and they're climbing up a ladder to this to this loft where this girl that's now killing people in a videotape li- lived, and and they're going up this ladder and it's so creepy because it's a ladder and you're crawling up somewhere and you don't know what's there, but you're on a ladder. They can't you can't like dodge, move yeah. sideways. You just can fall to to your injury or possible death, you know. And so it it's ratcheting up the tension all the time in that film, and I really enjoy that about it. It's really well crafted and much better than I think than the original Japanese version, which mm. I thought was a bit of a bore. And not just because I knew the storyline, but just because it adds a psychic element that kind of weakens the storyline to me, mm. anyway. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I really like, like this. Is my favorite thing. I don't like. I can watch people getting stabbed, whatever. People getting you know all that stuff is fine. You know, and, and in some movies like uh, Chain, you know, um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it's kind of fun. <laughs> all the like murders done in a way that's kind of like antic in yeah. a weird way, right? And that, but uh, when you, yeah, when you add the atmosphere of like, gets really scary and f- you're filled with like nervousness and dread <laughs> and the atmosphere is really creepy. Yeah, I, wa- I remember like Friday the 13th had a telekinetic uh, person in it for a while. I was like, yeah. I don't know about this. Yeah. Like, what, what's this world we're talking about? Yeah, so exactly. Yeah, have yeah. superpowers now? Sure. Is that how we're doing it? Because it's like, it's the one, the one guy has the powers. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, yeah, that's fine. That's how it works, right? Like, like if you have like, I think her name is Samara, whatever the name of the, the girl is who's in the well. Um, yeah, I feel like you have a bunch of people who have like similar like psychic abilities or whatever. Like, what's special about this girl in a well? She's the most powerful. But it's more interesting if she's unique to this world and what's happening is unique in this situation. I've never, yeah, I've never really, uh, maybe I've seen three. Maybe I've seen three of them, maybe more. Uh, Final Destination. You seen those movies? I've not seen those films. No. It's uh, you know, it's worth. I know wa- what it's about. But... Yeah, but it's worth watching the one, uh, if nothing else. It's worth watching the scene where they destroy Lionsgate Bridge. Okay, it's pretty good just because you've driven over Lionsgate Bridge. Yeah, yeah, time, yeah. And it's like pretty good, like watching that bridge <laughs> go down. It's neat. 
But the but the, concept, the first one? Yeah, the con uh, not in the first one. I think okay. it's like the third or fourth. It just look it up on YouTube. It's a okay. football scene. Um uh we'll wa- we'll watch it after this. We're gonna watch this episode. <laughs> Lions game. Make it a note, everyone. Yeah. All right. So and then we'll, maybe we'll put that up online. That's fun. Sure. Um and then sometimes they show how they do it and they go, Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> uh but the first Final Destination movie uh was uh they're supposed to be getting on a plane and the guy like i think goes to sleep or something and has a vision of like the plane blowing up it's like oh can't go on that plane and tells the friends we're not going on that plane yeah we're going on the plane. no we're not going on the plane yeah, yeah we're not doing it and so the plane goes off and kaboom they the cheated goes. death yeah they cheated death yeah and then someone's like sometimes death doesn't like to be cheated i don't know who he was talking to but someone says, <laughs> someone, says someone, someone gets that right there's a southern southern someone, person sometimes death yeah. doesn't want to be cheated sure uh and so they go through you know uh getting killed in you know bizarre like rube goldbergish ways yeah yeah throughout yeah. it which okay fine i get that you mm. know there's a lot you can have a lot of fun with like the setups yeah yeah it's like well i'm going for my laser eye surgery today like <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't do that. But um, yeah, but there's sort of like an inevitability to it that's kind of. Well, th- this is the you're thing on that, a treadmill. This is the thing that bugs me about it. Or a conveyor belt, I guess. Is is it's like kind of like this through the other movies too, and you're like, okay, so there's an unseen force that is affecting things, and yeah. physically affect things, yeah. that will lead to your death. So there's that force, but there's another force that's warning you about this off the top but then that force only shows up for the first five minutes of the movie mm. then fucks off i'm like <laughs> who's this force yeah. that's like getting into your head that's mm. trying to save you because it seems like there's a battle between these two things and no one ever thinks to tap into whatever that first one is yeah. it's just like um can i get a heads up sure. about how i'm going to die now yeah. or why did you why did you warn me of this Do you think it's something warning them, or is it just them having like a a moment of like ESP or whatever, like a moment of foretelling? Okay, but that's a supernatural element, right? Sure. You've introduced one supernatural thing. But a force that's trying to kill you and a force that's trying to save you is also supernatural. That's right. Yeah, both either and or either. Yeah. You've introduced supernatural elements. Yeah. But then you then abandon the first supernatural element immediately and then just go, well, there's this thing that is just destiny and here we go. But there's something that's trying to stop destiny. Mm. What's that thing? Yeah, because there's something going on there. Yeah, and we never like uh, address that. No one's got any interest in it. No <laughs> one's like, did you ever have another vision? Yeah, because yeah. you know now that we're all dying, that might be useful. Sure, no one sure. thinks to tap into that. Yeah, you know, yeah. So, yeah, you think they would explore that in later films? Yeah, to like degree. explore the world a little bit more of just mm-hmm. like okay, so something's trying to save people. Something's trying to kill people. Maybe the thing that's trying to save people is actually the bad thing yeah and like you're all people that have to die because if you don't die something even worse happens in the future so you know as much as we're like Oof, you know this is the this is the evil it's not it yeah. could be the good switch a magoo yeah we can have some fun with that but no they never care about that and the whole thing is just yeah let's just do the first movie over and over again <laughs> yeah yeah i've never never i never watched them but partly because of that i just feel like it just feels like a conveyor belt to yeah to doom you know, you know like, there's a charm to them there's yeah. you know there's a nice thing about like when you're when you're in a movie theater with people and like someone walks into a room and it's a room full of stuff and you're like okay yeah what's it gonna what's it gonna be and it it hits the same beats a lot as a as a slapstick comedy to sure. a degree except you know you've got you know the grim thing of like oof. <laughs> all right well and again let's start the laser surgery here we go yeah, yeah. is it going to be the most basic thing or is it something that's going to be like so far sure. away from what you expect that's right well so, so long guys i have to go to my job in the lumber mill yeah and then you're like 
you know, and so you're expecting all these things with the saws, and then the final scene is like opens the door and a bear just runs in. (laughs) That'd be be good if it was like constantly like setting up a big crazy death, you know, I gotta go to the lumber mill and the thing happens there. I gotta go to the hollow mirror, something happens there. Just all these various places where it could be dangerous, and then the very end of the movie just gets killed by a bear that's hiding in a telephone booth. Yep. Why was the bear in a telephone booth? And then the bear just turns to the camera and winks. And that's the end of that. Lucky you listened to the dream I sent him. Wink. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm the dream bear. <laughs> All right. Whatever you say, dream bear. Yeah. I watched a movie, um, I think it was from 1982, called Eyes of Fire. And it was a film about, it takes place in America, pre, pre, um, Still, a, still a early colony. So pre- before the American Revolution, and in this scenario, there's like a, a, a little haunted house on the prairie. Yes. <laughs> no, and this, this is quite, quite a little different. This is more uh, folk horror. Okay. Because Shutter does this kind of interesting thing where they'll they'll curate films into into um, a channel, and so when you start it, it's just playing a movie right away. So you can just like turn it on, and it, a movie's playing already, and oh. it's it could be like halfway through it when you start watching oh, it. Weird. And uh, so if you want, you can just kind of watch the rest of the movie. So that's basically what happened with this. I turned it on. I probably missed about five minutes of the film. I didn't realize it. I just started watching that's it. That's smart. Because that's how you're kind of like used to seeing TV. Yeah, Flick exactly. around. Yeah. Like, what's this? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where it's like if you have to start the movie and just like, mm. oh, the setup. And the, forget it. It's that or, or you just get lost in that. You know, looking through all the choices that you have. Right. And you, like, spend all this time looking. And by, yeah. by the end, you're like, oh, it's already 10.30. Maybe I won't watch a movie. Yeah, I don't need to do it. And so instead, this movie kind of started. And uh, and so it was directed by a guy. What was his name? Like, he had an odd name. It was, like, Adrian Scount or something like that. Or some kind of weird name like that. And he, uh, or Alexander. I don't remember. But anyway, he the movie's about a, a, a preacher in this like small communities, kind of like New England community, way back, way back when, who has taken another man's wife as his uh, lover. Okay. And he's kind of gathered around a group of people around him who think he's just the best. And so he's a little bit of a cult leader, you know, and he's kind of creating like a little bit of a, a situation. And so the, the townspeople have had enough of this. It's time that we acted on it. Let's go kill him. <laughs> so they show up and they're going to hang this guy. And there's another character in the film uh, this woman who can't speak, but she has like visions and apparently a certain amount of magical ability. Because okay. when they go to hang this, not only does she foretell or foresee that's going to that's going to happen, although she can't warn them, she foresees them coming to kill this guy and then he's going to get hanged. She's able to make fire burn the rope and stop the hanging. And then the townspeople are scared by this and they leave. And then these people decide they're going to like go out on their own, and so they they steal a boat. And they head up river on this on this boat. It kind of like, kind of this one of those not like a boat that we. It's one of those sort of flat raft like things that you can put a bunch of stuff on and then just sort of float down the river on. Okay. Kind of like kind of like in um, Aguira, Wrath of God, where they're just kind of sitting around on a floating platform. And so they're going down the river, and then they get attacked by by uh, Native Americans who kill one of them with an arrow, an old guy with an arrow, and then they elaborately create mannequins of themselves, leaving the old guy. <laughs> sitting in his chair still where he was killed and they create like elaborate mannequins of themselves and they float that down the river and i don't know why like are they 
I don't know if they're, they think they're leading the police off their trail. Okay. <laughs> we have not, there's been no one following them. There's been no shots of like people yeah. on their, on their trail. Once again, there's some angry bears later on going, mm, lunch. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> God, God damn it. I'm going to send dreams to people. <laughs> so the, uh. Is that legal? Barely legal. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here, bear. You're fired. <laughs> That's how dogs were made. So then, um, the, uh, yeah, they float this raft down the river. Uh, is it supposed to like trick the, Check the Native Americans? Like, I don't know. Because they're watching them. <laughs> They've never seen mannequins. They're hiding, in, they're hiding in the woods watching them build mannequins. Like, they know it. But anyway, so they send these stuffed dummies on the river with a dead person in a chair. And they continue on land. And then they get attacked by the, by the Native Americans again. And they, they kind of fend them off. And then they meet up with the husband, he's, who's a trapper. He's out in this area trapping and he, he's the husband of the woman that this preach preacher is shacked up with and of course he's a bit concerned about the situation there's not much he can do about it he seems, he seems very he seems very mellow about it though he does he doesn't make a big fuss he has a rifle yeah he could end it pretty quickly if he sure, wanted sure. to but he doesn't he kind of follow you know his wife wants it what his wife wants is fine with him i guess is what he's kind of okay. kind of thinking here so they go down into this valley into this valley and uh they find like an abandoned settlement down there and they're like they don't go, I wonder why there's an abandoned settlement down here. They go, perfect for us. Everything's pre-built. We just have to add some roofs back onto these yeah, old sure. places. This is great. Absolutely perfect. And so they settle down. And, uh, and the film's just called Lazy. <laughs> it should be called the, Good Enough. The Complacent People. The C pluses. <laughs> and so they, they kind of start this little uh, settlement there and they're... Uh, but we know things are bad because the the woman who has like kind of psychic can see see in the future is seeing some bad things and also seeing some weird things like a tree with human faces in it and stuff yeah. like that. And so we know that things are not good there. But they're they're oblivious to this. They're just living their best life. Yeah, and they go like, "What do you think a tree with human faces means?" And he goes, "I'm stumped." <laughs> it's the root of all evil. Yeah. The um, I was gonna say they're living their best life. If if your best life is like hacking at the ground trying to get like food out of it you know sure. that's your idea of fun so they're like trying to start up this place and uh the the priest guy or preacher guy does nothing of course like he's just like he's a big talker but he doesn't actually do any physical sure. labor he sits around ordering people spouting off wisdom and uh yeah but it's quite fun there's a lot like the there's like a witch who lives a demon witch who lives in these woods and she's designed she's played by a man so she's really quite big and then she's Designed so that she looks like if she, by melting into the ground, she just turns into a pile of leaves, which they do at one point. Oh, that's She neat. just kind of sinks into the ground. Oh, like a forest witch turning Yeah, into yeah, leaves. yeah. That's nice. And she's the one that puts, puts people into the trees. That's where she stores them Ugh. so she can take their energy. Okay. But then they also, she also controls them, and so they appear as like mud-covered ghost-type creatures. Oh, okay. They kind of appear and disappear with the sound of like a zither. <laughs> kind of goes like zing, and then they like appear. And the special effects in this movie are very ropey because it's okay. 1982 so no one's i'm just picturing all this going on and like a squirrel's in a tree and just sees this he <laughs> takes out a little bottle of booze and just like tosses <laughs> it right. away i must be nuts <laughs> yeah yeah just to another squirrel you're seeing this right <laughs> seeing what oh shut up you're seeing it <laughs> i am seeing it. <laughs> so yeah it's, so it, it was it was, a, it was okay it wasn't scary or anything it was just kind of fun it was sort of neat but it, it was it was made you know made for a dollar in 1982 so yeah, yeah. you know you get what you get but Still, I was looking at Letterbox, and there's a lot of things like this is an un- unsung classic. How could this movie be hidden for so long? This, you know, and you're just kind of like, it's guys, it's okay, it's okay. like it's okay. It's, it's a fun. movie they went to the woods. Yeah, you know what's scary? The woods. Yeah. 
That's fine. You want to make a woods movie? It's yeah, scary. Yeah. Yeah. And they had some actors. There was like a lady uh, character actress that, if I showed you a picture of her, you go, "Oh yeah, I've seen her in many a sitcom or many right. an ad and stuff like that." Uh, who's in it? And then an uh, actor playing the guy play, who played the uh, the the preacher. He he was um, he has done some other horror movies. I'll put it that way. Sure. It's one of those people that show up in those sort of movies. That was fun. It was fun to watch, though. I wonder who's died in the most horror movies. Who's the most killed person? Oh, yeah. I'm sure there is someone yeah. who's regular, a real regular horror movie. There's a, and this just reminds me, like, it was it was the part that I went, oh, it'd be a great part to play. And Probably the most threatened person is Jamie Lee Curtis. Could be. Because she's been in a lot of horror movies. Yeah. Past and present. I'm trying to think if she's been killed in the uh, Halloween movies. Nope. No, 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 no. She might have been. She might have been. Really? Yeah. Oh. I think she. I think she was. Oh, and like one, the the ones by uh, what's his face? No, no. Rob Zombie or something. No, I think like uh, like I think Halloween H two O, and then I think like uh, I think the next one she got killed in. And oh, they, okay. And then I think they smartly went like, we no one wants that. <laughs> bring her back. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can bring her back. You can bring anybody back. Yeah. If you can make money. Well, they seem to do them in threes, like anything else. So Rob Zombie did three Halloween movies, and then. Then the new guy that he didn't do the Halloween H two O. There was he did no, the reboot. He did the reboots. Yeah, but then there's new reboots that are done by a different different That's, director. And now there's the now there's the this is the incontinuity ones. Yeah, that yeah. Are coming around. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And there was the one. There was the one. The that Rob was Zombie ones recently. are the incontinent ones. Yeah, there was the one that was done recently. It was just like Laurie Strat was uh, uh, just in the hospital, just like thinking about what was going mm. on while other shits going on. Like she's just in the hospital. Yeah, yeah, she's just hanging out there. For the whole movie? Hmm. <laughs> but don't worry. The next movie, mm. she gets out of the hospital. Oh, well, uh, why do I see it? Th- All right, fine. I haven't seen the Rob Zombie Halloween movies. I, I kind of put his movie... I was putting him down a little bit, but I shouldn't because I, I like like The Devil's Rejects and stuff. Those movies are fun. Yeah, it looks like his Monsters is... He's doing it straight. Oh, really? Do you have Monsters? Yeah, he's doing like a straight Monsters, yeah. Oh. Which is odd because the last time... And I'll tell you the Friday the 13th thing in a second. Sure. But the last time they did the Monsters was like something something mockingbird lane and that was with jerry o'connell as herman uh, uh hmm. eddie uh sorry eddie izzard okay as uh, as grandpa okay and it was a tv show oh. but it was a tv show where they're they're kind of evil oh, okay and they're doing all these awful things yeah you know and they're bad uh but oh. but but still it's uh you know a sitcom anyway um <laughs> okay. okay the character that i wanted to play in the friday the 13th movie but then i was like yeah my friend roger would have been better and he agreed yeah he would have been good which is like uh they're just about all the youths are about to go on this kind of cruise yeah like a little on a boat okay and uh and just this one guy who's like uh on the dock just says to them you're doomed <laughs> You're all doomed. That guy. Yeah, that's great. That's the part to play. <laughs> sure. You're all doomed, guy. Yeah, There's yeah. one, you're going to make it to the trailer for sure. Mm, and mm. also, they're never going to cut the you're all doomed guy you're in. Yeah. And uh, how much do you have to memorize line-wise? You don't have to do anything. And you're the weird-looking guy, so you don't have to like put on too much makeup. You're just like, ah, you're doomed. You're all doomed. <laughs> don't do I wouldn't yeah. do this if I were you. That's a dumb move going on that boat. <laughs> You big stupids. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, you, that's how you get Jason in Manhattan. Oh, what's going to do in Manhattan? Not too not, fucking not much, much, really. really. Same, he's going to show his face to some same old, same old. To, to, he's going to show his face to you know the stereotypical boombox uh, surrounding youths, and they're going to whoa. Yeah, and that's uh, then he'll ride the subway. 
it won't look like the subway. Oh. And I don't know what happens after that. I don't know. get thrown in some water. Hmm. That's usually the end. <laughs> Someone wraps a chain around him, throws him in the, uh, the bay. Yeah. The end. Yeah. Great. And that's the story of Jason. <laughs> then he comes back. Then he comes back to say, that's not the story of Jason. Yeah. It's a, a story. It's so weird that the story of like uh, the future Jason, the Jason X, okay. uh, was, and the, here was the thing where like, oh, you actually beat Jason. Good for you. Because they, they froze him uh, cryogenically and then woke him up far in the future, okay. which means, oh, you defeated Jason. So for hundreds of years, there was no Jason. Okay. You actually beat him. That's yeah. how you beat him because you set him in the future. And then when he wakes up in the future, uh, something in the ship. He goes, oh, he's uh, broken. He's not uh, in in good shape. So we got to heal him. So it was like whatever the device that heals you from your injuries yeah. uh, got Jason and made Jason uh, really strong. It's like, well, that's not the... Jason was really strong. Yeah. That was never the issue. Yeah. It's like giving Jaws more teeth. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't affect anything. Yeah. But the idea of Jaws on a, uh, Jason on a spaceship was like, okay. That yeah. was just when they were putting everything into space. Yeah. Leprechaun was in space. Hellraiser was in space. <laughs> everything was in space. Space is popular. Alien place. was in space. As Sun Ra observed, space is the place. For the helpful hardware, man. No, wait. That's Ace is the place. I'm thinking of a completely different situation. Hmm. I wonder if he was making a play on that, uh, that uh, what it would be, motto? Catch, yeah. By, by catchphrase? So who is the best uh, of the uh, uh, monsters? Like, uh, so like the best, uh, you know, if you're going for like a Jason, a Freddy, I'll take a mummy, uh, mm. a Dracula. Okay. Who's the best one, uh, for, uh, for had the best movies and, you know, oh, that guy or, or gal. <laughs> could be a Blair Witch, could be, you know, someone, hmm. a Candyman. Oh, that's a good question. A Baba Yaga. <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, do you mean in terms of like scariness or just the best I'll take, one? I'll take whatever, whoever you, whatever you prefer. Uh, I'll take the ring girl. She's done a series of movies. Yeah, but the, the only, only the first one is a good one. I never saw the grudge one. I haven't seen any of them really, but I, I really don't <laughs> I know much about the grudge one. The grudge is very, it's a, it's a movie that could best be described as incoherent. But the, where she fights the grudge kid. She fights him? Yeah. I think you're thinking of a scary movie. No, I'm not thinking of a scary movie. <laughs> I'm thinking of uh, the girl from the ring fights the kid from the grudge. Oh, rings? Is that called rings? Is that I don't the one? know. While you while you think to yeah. yourself, I, I I started watching rings, but I didn't finish it. I kind of drifted off, drifted away. I didn't didn't fall asleep, but I just kind of lost interest. Okay, so there is the Japanese version, oh, Sadako I... versus Kayako, <laughs> but I think it was remade. Was it? Yeah, I think it was. A, yeah. Yeah, The Ring versus The Grudge is a real movie that exists. Yeah, okay. All right, there we go. Was it never done here in North America? I don't know. I don't remember it. Okay. If it was done, I didn't see it. Yeah, I've only seen the... I have seen the, the first Grudge, but I didn't watch the iterations. Mostly because I'm, I'm not much of a sequel watcher either, to be honest. I tend to be like, oh, the first movie was really good. I don't see what... <laughs> what more is there to say about this? And I've been proved right many times. That is the correct response to these things. Hmm. Yeah, I guess they didn't re- remake it into. Uh, oh wait, no. Oh, there we go. No, they uh, they didn't make it into North America. I thought it was a North America. Oh my god. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. So the ring. Yeah, there was the ring. Uh, there was rings. There was the ring two. Oh, the rings was a short film. Mm. Uh, the ring two, and then rings uh, was a feature film. Uh, 
And uh, it's been made in a whole bunch of manga. It's one of those things. What's the thing? Oh, okay. Yes. So it looks like they are going to be doing the crossover between the Grudge and the <laughs> Really? Yeah. Silly. Yeah. The direct Grudge director, Nicholas uh, Pez, Pez expressed uh, interest. And uh, yeah, they're working on it. Mm. So there we are. Well, we'll see. I mean, there's many, many movies in development. So not all of them make it past the, that stage. And yeah, hopefully this one doesn't. Yeah. I don't think we need it. Mm. I don't. Yeah. I don't know if we need any of them, really. But somehow we got them. <laughs> we, got, we got them all. Yeah. Yeah. Did I? I think I told you. I think I told you, but uh, I don't think I talked about it in the show. But uh, our computer system collapsed at work like last Wednesday. Oh, I think you mentioned it to me at dinner after. Okay. The show. Yeah, yeah. 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 It went down on Wednesday at four thirty in the morning. Is it back up yet? No, it's still out. How, how are you getting by? What are you doing? Oh my God. Is anyone getting paid? <laughs> yes, we're getting paid, but for what? It's a good question. Like, so like, you're having to like bring in your own like magazine pornography? Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, like, and it's company wide. It's not just us. Wow. It's like everywhere, every branch. And they and haven't been able to fix it in a week. No. They're, in fact, they're having to re. I heard from someone that, they're, that the servers like are like no good. Okay. And they're having to re. re uh, Reprogram everything, like redo it all. Is this espionage or just a, a, th- an accident? Yeah, I think it might be accident. Wow, an age issue. Wow, they're over. They're overworked. There were no backups. There are no. I mean, the data is still there. Okay, but the the I guess the um the thing the architect makes. You know the architect. Okay, we'll get him. We'll get him to come in and explain it to us for fifteen minutes. Right, the architect from uh, the Matrix. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Uh, <laughs> what else did I mean? Um, do you think I meant uh, Mr. Brady come in and tell yeah, us? Yeah, that's it. the only architect I know. <laughs> um, is it Rob? Rob Brady? Anyway, um, yeah, apparently, like the the all the stuff that our program nestles in and works to go, you know, works everywhere, and we all communicate with each other, and we have our emails and everything. All it's all gone. It's all gone. Wow. And so they're they're slowly but surely reprogramming everything. Oh my god. And they're hoping to have it up in a limited way next week for us, so that we have some ability to communicate. But right now we can't, like we can't. We have no emails. We have no access to our inventory. We have no access to our order system. Oh shit! We have no way to bill people. So what's going on at work? We are doing a lot of cleaning, a lot of organizing, and a lot of reorganizing our organizing. And a lot of money's being lost. A lot of money's being lost. Yes. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. So, I mean, we're still we still are shipping. We still have customers coming to get stuff. Yeah. We're, we have a minimum. But the problem is, is like most of our orders because of COVID are are being produced in, in Edmonton and shipped to us. And so that's not happening right now. We're supposed to get it. We might have got it. We didn't get a trailer today. We were supposed to perhaps get a trailer today. So I, I assume now that means for sure on Monday we'll have a trailer come in. But because there's no way to, there's no electronic shipping, I have to manually record everything that comes off the trailer. Ouch. Because there's nothing, no other way to. Oh. So, because I need to have like my my copy of what came off versus what they say went on it, because uh, there's often you know discre- discrepancies. So it's been a really long, oh long God. week, just because you know you do your job and it's you know it's whatever. But when you when you can't do your job and you're just kind of like doing all the all these kind of little things, none of those things didn't need to get done. Like it, it is nice that we've had some time to organize stuff because we've been so busy for so long that a lot, there's a lot of things that kind of got pushed thrown to the, pushed the wayside mm-hmm. that we just didn't have time for. 
And so it is nice that we can kind of go in and actually like sweep stuff up and clean things and put boxes away and reorganize places that have just been kind of allowed to to sort of sink into a level of near anarchy. <laughs> and so that's been good. So th- that part of it, I'm, I think, has been good because even like traditionally we'd have a slow time during before Christmas. We would slow down and that would give us time to do a lot of cleaning and getting stuff organized. We didn't have that last year. We were busy like straight through Christmas. We were busy all through spring. Like we've never we had no time where the where the gas the foot came off the gas. So this has like been an a, a outside imposed foot off the gas time. So I guess in that way it's good. But at the same time, there's a limit of how long you can like push a broom around and and organize things before yeah. you're just kind of like oh let's do something else <laughs> let's get back to work. Yeah. And uh, that's just it's the ways away yet apparently. So we'll see. We'll see. Computers. Yeah, it's interesting, like how, like it's kind of like when Rogers lost their server, and there's uh, no nine, no nine one one first places. Holy shit! Because the servers ran all those, all the, all the nine one one phone you phone banks backups and stuff. for everything, right? You gotta have a second way. You <laughs> yeah. always do, but they don't. Ugh. So when the system when the system collapses like so cal- calamitously, yeah. And so the problem for us was, I think, like, because there was talk, there's already a lot of talk that the system was kind of overstretched and they were going to be bringing in more, more, uh, more lines so that to kind of take some of the strain off of it. So we'd have more, you know, so when people are using, because it gets really slow at sometimes part of the day because everyone's accessing the same servers and everyone's doing their things. And so then you're doing a lot of waiting around for stuff to happen. So they're talking about putting more lines in so there's more more data could flow into there and stuff. And I guess it was just so such heavy use of these of this uh, machinery that it just kind of went, well, I'm giving up the ghost. <laughs> it, all, it all collapsed, so now we're dealing with that. Yikes. So it's not been fun, but we'll get through it. Okay. I keep saying yes. to everyone, this will be our fire. Because <laughs> there's a bunch of guys that there was like a very, there was a small fire that happened at my work before yeah. I came there. And but no one that you meet who worked there when the fire happened cannot they cannot not tell you stories about the fire. And of course you don't care because no matter what you know people are just like oh so hard then we had to move all the doors downstairs and to get doors you had to like lift them off and you just like mm-hmm. yeah that's great sure it was terrible but yeah I I get it I'm not I can't commiserate with you because I didn't experience it and I'm sure it's awful but there you go. Thanks for telling me these boring stories. So now this is our turn to bore people. There'll be people will come in in a year or so and be like, "Oh, you don't remember when the computers collapsed? Oh my God, we didn't have computers for three weeks, and we just spent all our time like sweeping, and oh, it was awful, and we couldn't track the doors, and everything was manual for yikes. The phone customers, what to phone customers? Yeah, kind of email them. Yeah, it's, it's fun times. I'm doing a bunch of writing right now and, uh, and uh, script doctoring, and there's all these people who are like, hey, uh, yeah, just give me a call and we'll talk it through. I'm like, no thanks. <laughs> oh, it's foolishness. Can you get around the foolishness? Can you get around that? Yeah, I can. Okay. I go, it's uh, faster if we don't. It's faster if you just tell me uh, on here quick and I'll uh, do the thing. And okay. We'll see okay. what's what. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it, it really is faster. Like if you just end oh, up talking faster. the phone, it just way ends up faster. a lot of blather. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's a lot of uh, this, that, and the other. And mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. you got to. Yeah, you got to be a certain amount of charming and whatnot. And yeah, it's fine, but it's like finding a right time to call, and then they—it's just unnecessary details. And, yeah, and also, if I, yeah, if if they're emailing you with the stuff that they want you to work on, they'll just email you the stuff they want you to work on. Sure, sure. Whereas oh, they'll just talk you through everything. 
in their lives. It's yeah, like yeah. um it's like an online recipe. Mm. Just like how do you make how oh, do you, how yeah, you make yeah. these cabbage rolls? Mm. When I was a little girl, oh son of a bitch. <laughs> son of a bitch. I don't need just how how much cabbage? Yeah. How much how, how I know. much you know I I feel that way, but then I also know that their ad revenue is based on how long eyes are on their website. So they need to have stretch it out that you sure. You have to page down through all, right. through all the stuff. But also, I've to got the, to live a life. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm just saying. I'm just explaining what yeah. their and I, and their situation. Again, I'm pretty. I'm really good with the fast turnarounds on stuff, and I'm really good on the fast turnarounds if you just get me the stuff, <laughs> and then we'll do a fast. You had turnaround. a very you had a very nice uh, thing said about you on Facebook by someone. It was nice. Yeah, um, uh, T.J. Dawes. Um, I did some writing on various plays mm-hmm. that he's done, mm-hmm. but especially on this latest one he did, The Fringe, which I got to see. Two days ago was it? I think two days ago. You saw the play? I saw the play, yeah, Blueberries Are Assholes. Okay. And um yeah, it was good. It was really enjoyable. And yeah. uh, there were some solid laughs and there's some solid laughs on jokes that I've done. And it was nice because <laughs> like uh the, there was a program. Do I have the program with maybe I have the program with me. Could I be carrying it around like a <laughs> like an egotistical <laughs> maniac? Maybe. There we go. Okay, so here we go. Okay. So, uh, so okay, you can see that the, my name is there. Yeah, yeah. But like, there's TJ's uh, description of himself, and then you can read my dis- the description of me. There we go. Okay. Did you write this description? I of yourself? did not write this description. No. It says Ian Boothby is a living, breathing joke machine. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> That's nice. So that was very nice. Yeah. But yeah, he said more than that. He said how helpful you were, how quick you were, like you know how efficient you were at making someone's work much better and that was very nice of him to say it's very it's nice yeah uh it's been especially now when you are looking for uh these sort of things i assume with yeah work-wise yeah yeah yeah. uh yeah it's been it's been it's been nice and so far so far so good on the things that i've written for people yeah yeah uh i I think what i'm good at is finding connections between things sometimes that people don't see Mm -hmm. in their own work and Mm -hmm. in fact in it was it was interesting uh in tj's play the 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 title makes sense but and but it's like just one aspect of the play sure um but then after i saw it i went like you know thematically that's what the play is about and let me explain your own play to you right now (laughs) and i did and he went oh shit that's the play that's what the play is about yeah as the play is wrapping up yeah yeah. like there's three shows left (laughs) and it's like that's what the theme is it's like yep that's yeah. what the theme is. Yeah. Ugh. So, like, if he does it again, he now knows what the theme is. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that, well, I think most artists don't really recognize the theme when they're they're writing. Because I don't think people write to theme. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a hard way to write something. Oh, it's completely a hard way to write yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but you obviously do have something in your mind when you're writing. Subconsciously, you create yeah. something. Yeah, and, and you, I understand that. I understand the yeah. the point of what he was writing, mm-hmm. and he does have a point at the very end. Yeah, that's like, and it all connects to this, and this is a way uh, people live their life, and here's the way that people could live their life, and here's the 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 way to get to that. Yeah, and it's like, yes, but also in here, <laughs> what you did was this, but but just going along the 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 the, the plots and stuff. Yeah, it, yeah. There's always like some jokes or something that could be made mm-hmm. or something. You know that that's pretty fun and easy for me to do. But he also talks about something in the in the play where there's an editor that does not react to something in a comic that keeps getting changed every issue. And okay, keeps basically. I'll I'll just tell you a little bit real quick without too much spoilers. It's just like there's a character called Power Girl in the DC Comics, and yeah. one of the uh, art the artist Wally Wood decided 
to make her breasts bigger every issue okay. <laughs> until the editor said something. Yeah, yeah. And the editor never said anything oh. until, like, finally someone else went, hey! <laughs> Knock it off. <laughs> but I mentioned to, uh, and, so, it's a, and it was a, th- a thing about you know, being observant and sure, that sure. some themes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I said to him, like, uh, yesterday when I was writing to him with, here's what he plays about, by the way, um, was, uh, was saying, like, that editor... I presented him with an Eisner Award in 2011 okay. for editing. <laughs> wow. The editor that did not notice yeah, yeah. Uh, this uh, this thematic thing. And he was like, what? Like, yeah, that was uh, Paul Levitz. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Paul Levitz. Yeah. Like, he was, he like was the... the editor on All-Star Comics when Power Girl was introduced. Okay. Power Girl was created by him. Yeah, uh, Jerry Con Con Conway or Con- Jerry Conway, yeah, yeah, and uh, and Wally Wood. Okay, yeah, and then Wally Wood uh, decided to uh, alter her every issue <laughs> until uh, you know it so, got noticed. Yeah, I guess it was sort of a comment on, uh, on how important the art was to the to the people who worked in the comics. Murder. That they didn't really pay much attention and to. And Wally Wood was a bit of a rascal. He was a rascal. He did that great uh, piece for the realist that yep. uh, Walt Disney. Picnic, company picnic. That's a heck of a piece. It's a <laughs> there was no pay uh, him and he'll draw it. What's that? Pay him and he'll draw it. Yeah, there was no there was no uh, suing about that one. Was there? Or was there? No, it's no. parody. Yeah, it's just straight out parody. Unlike yeah. Air Pirates, which Air Pirates, is just which like ripping off Floyd yeah. Godfrey left and right. Right. It would be interesting if like you had Peg Leg Pete in that one and just went, uh, "No, I'm doing the Walter Lance version." Ah, no, not the Disney version. They they tried to argue it as parody, yeah, uh, but okay. I think the judge said, "Well, this is not you're not really parodying them. You're just doing what they were doing before, only with your own stories." So it's unfortunate. It would you know they could have like you know been like Robert Crumb and just kind of draw analogs of things that yeah. you loved, you know, and and use or that. Mad as Magazine, a, Super Duper Man. Yeah, yeah, which yeah, well, is done by Wally Wood. Which, but it, which is satire or parody, yeah. so it, fa- yeah. it falls it falls into the fair, fair play, fair play because you're just making fun of it, you know. But um, yeah, that is also Hollywood, who did not follow Harvey Kurtzman to uh, Trump or to Humbug. And by Trump, we mean the magazine. Yes, they when, did not work for uh, Donald Trump. When Harvey Kurtzman did Mad Magazine, he made the the gross error, the insane error, because they offered him part ownership of Mad Magazine. Bill Gaines. Mm-hmm. He really did not want to lo- lose Harvey Kurtzman for that magazine. Yeah. But Kurtzman was lured away from Mad Magazine by by Hugh Hefner, who promised him a glossy magazine, like a real magazine, yeah. not this fake newsprint piece of garbage that you're doing for uh, Gaines here. Right. But a glossy magazine. That's, we'll put we'll put the Playboy money behind. That's a mistake. Yes, that's, that's the mistake he made. He left. Mad, and he started Trump Magazine. Yeah, what'd you do with your comedy? We made it really pretty. Oh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's still great. Like it's oh, beautiful. No. It's great that it's beautiful. Yeah, but that's not necessarily. What yeah, you it's want not for as good as comedy. it's not as good as uh, newsprint is magazine. better for comedy. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I think I think he knew it was a mistake when he after he did it. I think he I think he even said to because he brought like El Jaffe with him. He brought um, uh, Chicken Fat. What's the guy's name? Don Martin. Not Don Martin, no. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Not Mark Drucker. His friend, his friend that he. Oh, Bill Elder. Bill Elder. Yeah. Bill Elder came with him, and a couple, and Jack Davis as well came with him to, oh, to wow. Trump. Yeah, but that's a dream team. It was a dream team. They got one. I think one issue came out, and then maybe a couple issues came out, and then Hefner pulled the plug because 
that was taking it was just draining money out of the coffers of Playboy. And that was that. And now you're gonna struggle. You're gonna get a little bit of money, and you're gonna put out a magazine called Humbug, which is also gonna be brilliant. Yeah. And uh, and Robert Crumb is gonna copy your covers for his Weirdo magazine for the rest of his time there with a little elaborate borders, which yeah. is what Humbug had. But once again, it's not gonna be a success because you're not gonna have the money behind it. You're not gonna have a Bill Gaines who's willing to throw money behind this thing, even though it's not successful right away. He's gonna back you. Gonna back your play. You know. I think one of the reasons that uh, web comics work is because they tap into something that the cheap uh, magazines had, like Mad mm. back then, which is disposability. Yeah, just like this doesn't matter. Mm. Oh, then you can just enjoy the the, the funny. Yeah, on it. Yeah, or if it's presented as, uh, <laughs> and it's like no, it's too uh, too, too precious. classy. Yeah, too yeah, classy, yeah. too precious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel that way about Little Orphan Annie in. Uh, is that her name? Not Little Orphan Annie. Little Annie Fanny? Whatever the thing they produced for, for Playboy, the human Bill Elder. Okay. These, they're incredibly beautiful painted pages, and it's just wonderful to look Crazy. at. But, Crazy detail. But it's not funny. It doesn't work as as humor. No, it kind of works as, you know, sexy, I guess. Yeah. If you're into that yeah. scene, well, that's fine. Sure. You know, which maybe... It's very nice to look at. Maybe that's one of the reasons you're picking up Playboy magazine. Who knows? <laughs> Probably the main you reason. <laughs> but is the, you know, yeah. is the unabashed dictionary funny? Is the, are the Playboy jokes funny? Is, yeah, yeah. You know, I guess, you know, some of the cartoons some in Some of the Playboy, cartoons are very, very funny. Gay and Wilson, pretty funny. They're all good. They're all very good. Very, very, uh, um, very good artists in there. But Do they still have cartoons in Playboy, I wonder? Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Probably not. Probably not. Because I, I think... New Yorker is like the last the last stand for published cartoons. I've heard nothing but good things about the New Yorker. It's a great magazine. Mm-hmm. Their cartoons have gone down. <laughs> Don't like hire anybody. <sighs> yeah. We just sold one that I'm very, very proud of. That uh, when, when I wrote it, I was like, oh, I think this might be a really good one. And then <laughs> gave it to Pia and she went, oh, this is a good one. And then she drew it and I was like, oh, now it's a really good one. Like, they should pick this one. Though the one they usually pick is, like, the weirdo one. Yeah, yeah. That's, like, the one they're like, really? That one? <laughs> like, okay. Okay. Yeah. But in this case, yeah, they uh, they picked it. And I was like, ah, oh, good. Very, yeah, it must have, been, must have been great in, like, the 40s, 50s, you know, when you could, like, take, you know, shop, shop your cartoon around. You know, if the New Yorker who paid the best didn't want it, then you could go to Saturday Evening yeah, Post. You could go to, your thing. go to Collier's. You could go to down you know go to playboy but playboy play, paid very well mm-hmm. you know so that story of, of then off to jugs <laughs> yeah or whatever or yeah hustler or whatever or down screw screw magazine well i'm sure. off to, uh, down with the new yorker <laughs> i'm off to screw <laughs> that's when you're really going down yeah you missed colliers you missed all these other ones maybe this isn't that good a joke oh, i'm sure it's funny someone's gonna buy it let's take the cartoon away and sell it to reader's digest <laughs> that's 25 bucks nice uh yeah, so like when uh, Doug, oh, I can't remember his name now. He was a Canadian cartoonist anyway. No, it wasn't a cartoonist. He was an advertising illustrator. Okay. Wanted to wanted to do advertising illustrations for for Playboy. Took his his um, portfolio down. Spoke to Hugh Hefner himself. Hugh Hefner looked through his drawings and said, "Have you thought about being a cartoonist?" And he said, "Not at all." You know, thinking that's the gar- lowest of the low. Lowest of the low, exactly. Start. Pretty much. And then he said, "I'm going to take one of these bunnies and leave." <laughs> and then yeah. Hefner then Hefner told him what what you earned as a cartoonist for the Playboy, <laughs> and he said, "I am a cartoonist. Yes, I will." But he wasn't a writer. He drew to other people's jokes. Okay, 
you know, might, might have added the, done the odd one, but most of the times he just had a writer, which wasn't unusual. That's how many many uh, New Yorker cartoonists did that as well. Sure. Helen Hokinson being probably the best known, who drew like a, a kind of matronly ladies was her forte. But yeah, always had a writer for for her stuff. So there you go. But there was others too. You got E.B. White writing for you, you know. Neat. That one that was a uh, famous one, like someone like you. You say it's spinach. I say it's yeah, and I and I say that uh, to hell, hell with it. With it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was an E.B. White joke. Oh, that's great. That was illustrated by someone. Yeah. And then uh, redone later on uh, for like you say it's asparagus. I say it's delicious. And it was for an ad for asparagus. Okay. And I was like you sell out. <laughs> but it was like the cartoon that was so popular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a oh, what's his? You're name? Allowed to parody it. What's his name? Gareth something. He does a pierogi cat. Do you know uh, know what I'm talking about here? Godin? Uh, uh, Godin? What's that? G-A-U-D-I-N? Oh, this could be. Let me... Uh, Godin? Or let, me, uh, let me just take a look. I feel He's from like... the island? Yes, that is correct. I think that's his last name. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to look up his name because I want to... Yep, be it. accurate. Because I want to Don't trust it. me because I am unreliable. That's okay. Uh, yeah, Gareth, uh, Gareth Godin. Oh, I'm not unreliable. I'm the, I have the greatest memory on earth. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, okay. right. uh, he's a comic book uh, creator. Uh, yeah. You know, there you go. He owns a vintage comic book store. Mm. But uh, he did a comic. Wait, oh, the comic ahead. book store is vintage? Or the comics in the store are vintage? Uh, in his description, yeah. I own a vintage comic book shop. Oh, interesting. And I draw a daily comic strip. Mm. I'm a cartoonist and comic book creator in Victoria, B.C. Cool. This is what I know. Yeah. Okay, so he did a, com- he did a comic. It's a one-pager. And it's a one-pager referring to a New Yorker comic that P and I did. Oh, really? Yeah. He must know that you did it. He wasn't sure if I did it, but he oh. knew that P did yeah, it. Yeah, okay. Uh, and so he wrote me and was like, did you did you do this? <laughs> and the cartoon, the, the original cartoon was a father sitting uh, on, on his daughter's bed and saying, I don't know how it happened, but uh, HBO just canceled your bedtime story. Okay. So that's the joke. Yeah. So his uh, that's his... funny because those ones have IBPG on them. What's that? Those those the the new ones. That's a newer one, right? The was that a new joke? It came. It was a daily joke, and it came out about uh, a week and a half ago. Yeah, so okay. it's a new one. Yeah. So he wrote. So he wrote this one, and he does a daily thing. Yeah. And so it's uh, his. It's a father who's like looking at his phone. Yeah. And he's on his daughter's bed. Yeah. And says. And then in the next New Yorker cartoon, Pia Guerra's drawn a dad sitting on the edge of his kid's bed. And the caption reads, I'm not sure how it happened, but HBO just canceled your bedtime story. And, uh, yeah, the daughter's scowling at him. Reading this instead of a bedtime story. But I was like, what? There's a cartoon about our cartoon. Well, that's very meta. That's it's nice. very meta. We're in, the, we're in the wormhole. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it was nice. I think he was cool. writing me just going, is this okay? I was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. You talk to the New Yorker about it. I don't know. They they own it. But uh, it's okay by me. Don't take this as a legal endorsement, though. <laughs> uh, no, I think it's fine. okay because he's not actually drawing the drawing. He's quoting the... But long story short, I am very happy doing the uh, the joke writing for people and also mm-hmm. looking over their stuff. Yeah. I just got a thing from a, a slightly different type of comedy that I'm used to. Okay. It's more physical comedy, more clown-based. Oh. And so that was interesting. And then I also got a thing this week um, where someone who has a film, and so what they're doing is they're getting people who are comedians in the film 
to do jokes online uh, on uh, TikTok. Okay. And so I had to write like a bunch of jokes for each of them in sort of their uh, tone. Their vernacular. Their vernacular. Mm. You know, and uh, so that was that was interesting too. And it's like some of them are kind of well known people. Yeah. One of them, one of them we've had on the show. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's been interesting writing jokes in other people's voices and also looking back and seeing if I have any jokes in my file that don't really work for me, but would work for, you know, one of these other folks mm. and then, uh, reworking it. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Been enjoying it. So anyway, if anyone, uh, wants jokes written for them, uh, <laughs> sneaky drag, uh, sneaky D at sneaky com. Uh, give me a, write me and I'll uh, let you know my rates. Huh? Yeah. You got a one act play. Got a, got a short film? Yeah. Got something like that? Yeah. Let me know. Yeah, it was a very nice uh, thing. That it was very, it was very, very sweet what uh, TJ wrote. Yeah. And then people wrote very sweet things afterwards. And I was like, I can't look at these. They're too sweet and nice. <laughs> really? Oh, that's good. Because when I read it, there was no comments. So I, I added a comment. And when I looked like. Oh, uh, you commented on my reprinting oh, Okay. Of it. Oh, I see. Yeah, I'm not friends with TJ. So I didn't see yeah. his then. Okay. That's, that's what happened. Oh, that's nice. Oh, I have to see if I can figure out how to yeah, see it. You should uh, be friends with TJ. It's, it's nice. <laughs> Maybe it's he's public. Also, he's very into self-promotion, so I'm sure he would be fine. It's probably pub- you. probably public anyway if he's promoting stuff. So he would also, yeah. If you if you saw that you were mutual friends with me, it would be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's a is um, a really good uh, uh, fringe performer and writer, and uh, as we've mentioned before, one of his. Um, plays got made into a film with uh, Daniel Radcliffe called I, The I F like that Word. Movie. Yeah, that's a good movie. Uh, which is also called Something Else in the States, and I forget what it's called. Yeah, they changed, the stupidly changed the name of it. Yeah. But that's a good movie. I like that movie a lot. I agree. Yeah, it's got some good actors. It has a, uh, oh, that actor whose dad is a, um, gosh darn it. He's also in uh, Hot Fuzz, plays one of the detectives in the movie. Oh, neat. But his dad is a, a Big as an actor as well. Done a lot of done a lot of Mike Lee films and stuff like oh, that. Oh, nice. Okay, well, I'm going to wish uh, I could remember his name now. Sorry. Okay, it's called yeah, it's called the F word, yeah. and it's also called What If. Yeah, blah. in the states, blah. Uh, but yeah, the it's Daniel Radcliffe, uh, Zoe Kazan, Adam Driver, who we mm-hmm. mentioned. He's good in it. Uh, Megan Park, Mackenzie Davis, and mm-hmm. uh, Rafe Spall. Rafe Spall is the, his dad, Timothy Spall. You would know if you saw him, you'd know him. He plays the he plays the rat character in uh, the Harry Potter movies, but he's done many many things. Oh, nice, Timothy Spall. Okay, well, I like that plenty. Much. He was even in. Tell me. Oh no, I'm, I'll be wrong there. I don't want to say that. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. All right. I'm not oh sure man, I'm now looking at TJ's uh, Wikipedia page. Pretty impressive. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, you helped. You helped to make it. Oh, I so did. Yeah, the original uh, play was called Toothpaste and Cigars that became uh, the well-named F word. Yeah. F stands for friend. Yes. And uh, what if not as good and also the name of other things. So it's confusing. That's a fun film because the Zoe Kazan character, people may know her if they saw the big sick. Uh, mm-hmm. She plays the girl who gets sick. But she she plays an animator in the in the f-word and so they incorporate her animations into into this, her life so like yeah. they'll, they'll have things sort of flying around her or whatever which is really kind of fun and the dialogue in that movie is just great great dialogue in that film spot on lots of great jokes and uh agreed yeah. zoe kazan is in a um uh, coen brothers movie what's the movie she's in a coen brothers movie she is and this is gonna yeah what is it what is it really i know it's a tough one but she is I'll tell you this, it was a 2018 Coen Brothers movie. Does that not help you at all? 
It doesn't. It won't. <laughs> it won't yeah. help me at all? No. What was it? Ballad of Buster's... Uh, oh, I haven't seen that movie. Yeah. That's the one... Because that's the for whatever reason, it's on Netflix. My attitude yeah, is always right like... it's right there. You can see it anytime. Yeah, I can see it anytime. How could you see it? It's right there on your TV waiting for you when you get home. Yeah, I know. It's so funny. And I went to watch it the other day, and then I ended up going down this rabbit hole of... Um, there was this thing like dark, dark shows or whatever. It had dark in there. Yeah. And it was sort of like, and I was like, oh, let's go through here because I love those sort of movies or shows. If they have any kind of like mind fuckery, I'm into it. And then there was like this Brazilian one called Secret, Secret, no, what was it called? Sorry. No, I can't remember if it was Secret, Secret City or something like that. Anyway. Okay. And I started, um, I started watching it just because I was like, oh, it's uh, Brazilian. That sounds kind of fun. So I started watching it and then I watched like seven episodes in a row. <laughs> So it was like super late, and then I just like went to bed, leaving one show left to watch. But uh, it was too late for me. So, yeah, it was just one of those things where, you, and then I was like, oh, I didn't watch the Ballad of Buster's Crugs though. I'm not watching this silly show. Well, now you got time, uh, David. Music. Yeah. Oh yeah, music. Uh, Heard of it? Uh, I, I like music, but I kind of wonder sometimes what the future of music is. <laughs> okay. And if music has a future, does music? I think music has a future. Mm. Yeah. Does that enter into the theme of the music that you're uh, talking no, about? No, it doesn't actually. Okay, very good. It uh, sort, sort of does. Okay, because uh, David used to do, in the past, David used to do a podcast called Sneaky Dragon Listening Party I where did. he would pick a theme and then uh, pick some songs and uh, talk about them with Mary, who just uh, had a birthday and is moving into the future uh, with her years. <laughs> uh, but that was in the past that she talked yeah, about the future. That's true. So, uh, yeah, so that's the future and uh, that was past. Yeah. There you go. That is the theme. This is top five songs. Future, past. Explain. Well, it's past is in P-A-S-S-E-D. Okay. Because these are songs written in the past about right. the future, but that future is already past. So this is like when Conan would do the year 2000, uh, even though it was past the year 2000 with Andy Richter, that sketch. Okay. But yeah. this is, yeah, musicians writing about the future. Right. But now it's the past. But now that's that future they're writing about is now past. Right. That is correct. I wish I knew the monologue from uh, Avengers Endgame where the Hulk talks about time travel and how, you know. <laughs> but then the past becomes your future. And you can't change your future in the past. Yeah. So let me just tell you a little story about putting these songs together. So I came home last <laughs> I night. I went quite mad. I came home last <laughs> night and um, I had this planned out on my phone. So that was okay. Okay. So I started putting it together. Uh, I normally, I, I normally like edit the songs a little bit, not edit them for length or anything, but I just like cut off the beginning and end so they they flow together better on, when I'm listening to them right. <laughs> later on. So I so I did that and I was and then I was getting them ready to send to you, and so then I I um, did that and then I was looking some stuff up about them, some information about them, and this was around ten o'clock and then at one thirty in the morning I woke up sitting in my chair at my desk. And I hadn't sent you the the things yet, and I hadn't finished the information I was getting because I just wanted like the album so titles and stuff like that. Yeah, for about two and a half hours. Are you thinking of Jaws? Maybe three and a half hours. Three and a half hours. Yeah, that's right. I started thinking about the USS Indianapolis. Men are in the monologue. water. Sharks in the water. Mm. I started counting the man in the water and then uh, just go right to sleep. Not right. At all. <laughs> that's right. And so I woke up, and so I quickly sent you the songs. Okay. You got them at one thirty eight or one thirty four a.m. They came to you one thirty. Sounds about right. 1.38 a.m., that's what, what time I sent them to you. And then I did that really quickly, and then I went to bed. And so I forgot to send my notes to myself, which oh. I normally do, so I have them on my phone. So what, what I'm saying is I don't know any, what, anything about these songs, because normally I like I write down like what 
the album was right, and what they came up. Free, free balling here. I'm here gonna, we go. Yeah, I'm gonna free ball it. So uh, this first song is a David Bowie song. Oh, I like that. I it's like a uh, song. called 1984, and it was written for it's on Diamond Dogs, which came out in 1973, I believe. Oh, okay, That's substantially. Yeah. Before, okay. And so uh, the because born he was kind of um, at this time he had just done pinups, his collection of covers, and he was a little bit. Uh, at loose ends. He wasn't really sure where he wanted to go with his sounds. And he was getting, kind of getting influenced by American soul music. And that would become really uh, apparent on the next album, which would be Young Americans. But this is before Young Americans. And so he decided he was going to do an album with the concept of 1984. And so he contacted George Orwell's um, widow okay. to get permission to use that and make his, this thing about it. And she said no. Okay. So so then he had the song 1984, but he couldn't really use it with the book in mind, but he could still like talk about it as like a few possible future. Okay. And so Diamond Dogs kind of has that as a sort of a theme, but not really, because it, it just ended up being a collection of songs that, that some of them were related to the possible concept, but because he couldn't do it, he didn't really spend a lot of time on it. So anyway, this is, long story short, this is 1984 from Diamond Dogs. This is uh, David Bowie. Here we go.
And we're back. Not a single from the album, but I think a really great song. Mm-hmm. And a real no, like, I really that is really that's a classic song. I really enjoy. Yeah, it. and a really like a real foreteller yeah. of the next album of like what what Young Americans was going to sound like because uh, it's really using like that whole like kind of Philly sound yeah, which he was falling in love with. And, yeah, it's great. And I guess he was in the midst of inventing his thin white Duke character that he would perform in the guise of for the Young Americans tour and everything. Um, yeah, great song though because it's David Bowie, so it's great. Yep. Let's face it. Um, all right, let's do the next song. Why don't we do the next song? We don't want to do the next song? Why don't we get things started? No, we're already in the middle. This next band is a little more obscure than David Bowie. Mm -hmm. This is um, Sons of Champlin, they're called. And they were a a San Francisco band that formed, they formed in the mid-60s, you know, they're in Marin County. And one of the interesting thing about San Francisco was, yes, there was like the San Francisco scene, but then there was all these scenes that were grew up around it like so a lot of the garage bands and stuff like that that make it part of like the san francisco story were formed in in in, like bedroom communities like say san jose or oakland or marin county which is where where country joe and the fish came from and other bands so so they're sort of band they they all kind of fed into the san francisco sound and this group uh were kind of as they went on and members came and went they kind of Became more like uh, a band, kind of more like Chicago, okay. or more, more probably they're probably more influenced by Blood, Sweat, and Tears, which was formed by. Speaking of Zelig, we were talking about the musical Zelig, Al, Al Cooper, who's got his fingers in all kinds of pl- historic places in in uh, uh, '60s music. Name a few. How about played organ on Like a Rolling Stone? Okay. Couldn't play organ. Played organ on Like a Rolling Stone. Couldn't play the French horn. Appears playing French horn on You Can't Always Get What You Want, the Rolling Stone song. Um, he discovered uh, the Zombies album, Odyssey and Oracle. And, well, he was working for Columbia and released uh, Time of the Season and, and restarted their career, which was too late. They were already broken up and gone and on other things. But this was probably the biggest song they've ha- they have in, in like North America. He broke that for them. And then also... Thought it would be a great idea. Well, he did the Super Sessions as well, which is the idea of like having a bunch of like big names just kind of come together and do like a, an album of like jams and, and songs, stuff like that. So he started that idea. But then he also thought of the idea of having like a big group, like having a big group of people, like 10 people with horns and, and like a big kind of soul review sound to it. And that's what Blood, Sweat and Tears was. Wow. Unfortunately, they kicked him out of the band after the first album because he was a little too outre for them and they wanted to go a more standardized road, you know, do spinning wheel. And stuff like that. But, you know, before that time, it was kind of an interesting concept. And so, so I think that band influenced like Chicago and influenced Sons of Champlin and Pacific Gas and Electra and on the West Coast. And electric. Did I say electro? I meant electric. Well, I said electron. Electron. No, Pacific Gas and Electric. But anyway, this is Sons of Champlin. Okay. The song is 1982-A from their album, which was called... Oh. Oh, what was it called? Can't remember now. Sorry, everyone. Something, something, something naturally. Anyway, it came out in 1969. This is uh, this is 1982 A. Here we go. One, two, three, four. One, two, three. Can you feel it coming? It's gonna set you back on your heels. It's gonna sound like humming. Yeah. And we'll all 
Okay. It, it was to me that was like the my least favorite of the bunch. Oh, really? But it was oh. still okay. Yeah, I, yes. I quite like that okay. song. It's a kind of it's a song that uh, is this. I don't have any mixes or whatever, but I always enjoy it when it kind of pops up when I listen to the stuff randomly. And uh, yeah, it's a I quite like it. But anyway, agreed. Was it? Did you not like it because it kind of is like a sweet, like it has like kind of sections to it? I just didn't find too much in it. Like okay. the others, uh, especially you're coming off of 1984. Mm. It's such a rich, powerful song. It's yeah. just, Whoa! yeah, yeah. And uh, then I was like, this is fine. Yeah. This is adequate. This is all right. <laughs> but then you, uh, you give me uh, some really good stuff uh, coming up. So, okay. You know, I'm right. fine. It was a salad. To me, it sure, was sure. a salad. That's probably why it's nice in... moose bouche. And it yeah, was like, yeah. oh, that's really delicious. And it has salad. This is fine. And now we're moving on. <laughs> All right. So uh, we're going to come to another band that's a little obscure, I guess, but 
maybe better known than Santa Chaplin. This is Spirit, mm-hmm. uh, who were f- formed in in California, strangely by a guy called Randy California. Oh. Uh, he formed the band with his stepdad, Ed Cassidy, who played drums. He was a jazz drummer. And so he started playing uh, in this group with his son, this stepson. And uh, and then they had other friends join. And they played Spirit lasted for about maybe three albums, three or four albums. And then they broke up. Some members went on to be in a band called Jojo Gunn, who also were successful. And one of the guys, Jay Ferguson, went on to do, uh, do you know the song Thunder Island? No. It's a terrible song. It's on one of those. <laughs> I know it from like a KTEL you know, a, a, you know, one of those dynamite or whatever, Sound Express collections, um, whatever it was called, but it's not a good song. But that's what kind of what he, he, they kind of went middle, some of them went middle of the road. Randy California always kind of stayed in left field where he seemed to like like it best. Um, but anyway, this is, uh, they did an album called The Twelve Dreams of Dr. Sardonicus, which is probably their best album, uh, has Nature's Way in it, which is a great song. Uh, and this song is also on there, 1984. Okay. And so let's give a listen to 1984 again by Spirit.
we're back. Yeah, I found that was fun. I really liked how it uh, grew and built. Yeah, like, yeah. I like that kind of Sure, fun, sure. Yeah. yeah, it's a good song. Yeah. They're a really good band. Um, they just never quite connected with people. I don't. I think they're just a little too weird. Mm-hmm. You know, they just, they're the wrong kind of weird, I guess, for the 60s. Okay. You know, there's this idea like, people want weird stuff, you know, and it's like, no, people really don't want weird stuff. They want to kind of... The same stuff that they people want are doing. Weird. Yeah, they want to be comfortably weird in the sense that they already know the weirdness, not your weirdness. <laughs> your weirdness is too weird. <laughs> hey, what type of person are you looking to date? I like someone who's really funny. Okay, hoppa da hoppa da hoppa da ha. No, no, not that. Not that funny. <laughs> no. Yeah. no, I just meant like. I mean, of... funny as in uh, you know attractive and uh, all the other uh, conventionally attractive <laughs> things, but also funny on top of that. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, and not like. Funny all the time, and always having to do pranks and yeah. and you know pull my skirt up. I like and stuff something like that. Uh, alternative, really. Yeah, that's really mainstream. Yeah, uh, but then it has a little uh, alternative bit at the end. Exactly. Oh, okay. All I right. think that's what most people want. Exactly. All right. The next band is a band from Scotland. This is the Rosillos. Um, uh, from this is from 1978, I believe. Uh, the song is 2080 from their album. I think it's called like. Oh, everybody hates the Rosillos. Some kind of weird name like that. But this is the Rosillos. They were a real like art art rock yeah. group, like in the sense that they all came out of art school. And the whole thing was about like like a sixties, um, like a colorful sixties sort of like the Batman sure. idea of like sixties pop rewritten onto a onto punk rock. And they didn't they didn't, but they didn't consider themselves punk. They would call themselves. Uh, they're probably one of the first bands to describe themselves as new wave. Oh, okay. They said we're a new wave beat group. Is how they described themselves. Uh, probably borrowing the new wave description from the '60s as well, from like the description of film from that time. But anyway, this is the Rosillos. The song is 2000 from an album I can't remember the name of. Here we go.
favorite part was the opening, uh, but it did sound like a lot of other songs. Yeah, yeah. That really fast opening. Sure. I, I, I like that. Uh, yeah. I like that vibe. Yeah, good energy. I dug it. Yeah. Good. Yeah, yep. fun Enjoyable. pop group. Did one album, broke up, formed into two different bands, carried on, had fun. This all sounds like uh, I'm seeing reoccurring patterns. <laughs> yeah, bands are... Uh, it's like that thing that Timothy Schmidt said when he joined, he joined, was one of the last people to join the Eagles, joined them just in time to do the long run album. And someone asked in the interview, they said, were you aware that the band was breaking up when you joined them? He said, all bands are breaking up. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. So it just seemed like normal to me. Yeah. That was the thing in the, the Rick Mercer's book where he talked about like this uh, comedy group getting together. Yeah. And that was the day we started to break up. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's it's inevitable. It's going to go. Yeah. It's inevitable. People need to stretch out. And uh, and speaking of people stretching out and from after after a band breaking up, speaking of themes, our uh, final song of our top five. There's a bonus song, everyone, but this is the final song of the top five. This is Paul McCartney and Wings mm-hmm. from his 1974 album, I believe, Band on the Run, which was his fifth, third album as Wings, fifth album as a solo artist, and uh, his first successful album, actually, as a as Wings and as a solo artist. Oh, was there a previous Wings album that didn't do as well? Oh, yeah. Wildlife and Red Rose Speedway came oh, out before okay. this, uh, and neither of them did spectacularly well. I would say more critically, maybe they did well sales-wise. I don't even know if they did great sales. Wildlife is Wildlife is an album that's it's very okay. It's like it's kind of like, where are the songs? You just did Ram, which is like a wonderful album. What happened to your songs, Paul McCartney? But anyway, mm. I think you want it to be more... Anyhow, it doesn't matter. No, My opinions on these things aren't important. But he did. Yeah, he did McCartney. For, really? <laughs> he did his first solo album, which kind of precipitated the end of the Beatles. McCartney. Yeah. Then he did Ram. Then he decided he wanted to be in a band again, and so he formed Wings. But he found the problem with wanting to be a ba- in a band again was that he is Paul McCartney. Yeah. You cannot be in a band again. Also, he's very cheap. So the band, he didn't pay his as people he worked with very much money to be in his band, and so. Uh, that was also a problem. And so a symptom of that was when the band rehearsed, mm-hmm. he and the guitarist at the time, Henry McCulloch, got into a fight and McCulloch quit the group. This was like a couple of weeks before they were going to start recording the album. And then, and then the night before they were leaving to record the album, the drummer, Henry Sywell, also left oh. the group. So, so all that was left was the rhythm guitarist, Denny Lane, Linda... Yeah. On keyboards and Paul, uh, the bass player. And so, and also they had decided, Paul had decided it would be fun to record the album in an exotic locale. And so he asked EMI to give him like a list of, of their studios around the world. And he would choose one that sounded kind of interesting. And so they gave him a list and he looked and he went, Oh, Lagos, Nigeria. That sounds fun. So we'll go there and we'll record. I guess he didn't realize that they'd just gone through like a huge civil war. Yeah. And the country was in like a, <laughs> country was like a military dictatorship and in great turmoil <laughs> so he shows up at this very under understaffed under uh under equipped ill-equipped studio in in lagos to record this album uh there's only the three of them there to do it so so mccartney has to play drums play lead guitar play the bass and i'll do the singing as well and uh you know lane was a a, a, a what's what i would use he was a you know an accomplished an adequate rhythm guitar player, but he was no lead guitar player. That wasn't his role okay. in the group. He was a, you know, he had, he was a good background singer, a good, good background guitarist, but you know, he was not a frontman necessarily. His attempt at a solo career proved that. And so then, um, so yeah, they're down there. 
uh, Paul and Linda get robbed one night at knife point when they decided, against everyone's advice, to go for a walk around the city. They got robbed. A, a bag of Paul's demo tapes and lyrics got stolen. So all that was disappeared from his life. Um, and they never showed up again? One day while he was singing in the, in the studio, he had this attack. Linda thought he was having a heart attack. But he had some sort of uh, bronchial seizure caused by too much smoking. And so, but he almost died from that. That Shit. And then um, there was one other thing that happened. Oh, the other thing that happened, not a terrible thing, but um, Ginger Baker, the the uh, ex-drummer of Cream, and, and uh, invited them to come and record at his studio there. It was Ark. He had a studio called Ark there. Yeah. And so they went and recorded one song at that, at that studio. But uh, yeah, like, yeah, it was a bit of a crazy trip. And so then they took all the tapes back to... Uh, and Jeff Emmerich, who you know was the engineer on so many great Beatles albums like Revolver and Sgt. Pepper, etc., he came down and was the tape operator and sort of quasi-producer. And then they took all the tapes back to to London and, and did everything. Have I played the song yet? Let's play the song. Screw all this talking. This is 1985 from uh, from Band on the Run. Everyone, Let's see if you think it's one better than the 1984 song. <laughs> That's right. Here we go.
like the bouncy confidence. I love it's it. Very bouncy confidence. Yeah, song. I think good, it's a good time. Here's why this. Here's song. why he was confident for this album. He was proved right because How the so? other Beatles were at this moment suing uh, Ellen Klein for mismanagement of their of their uh, affairs. And as Paul had said, you don't want to bring this guy in. He's a shark. He's going to screw you. Look at look at the Rolling Stones. What do they own? What do they own of all their London? All the stuff they did okay. in the '60s. What do they own? None of it. Who owns it? Alan Klein. Like, why is that? That's not screwing someone out of their stuff. Like, are you going to let this guy screw you? Mm-hmm. But they wouldn't listen to him. They signed management deals with Alan Klein, and then at this point, 1974, they were suing Alan Klein, and Paul was probably like, "Well, that proves that someone was right." Sure, I've had a few setbacks, and people are making fun of me, calling me soft and a, a you know, a bad songwriter, and critics are all over me because I'm not as cool as John and George. But I'll show you guys with an album that's going to rock your socks off. Nice. Here's a something I just popped up. Uh, this was the only Wings thing I know. Okay. Um, so you know, of course, you know, he did the song Magneto and Titanium Man. Yes, on. Uh... The next album, Venus and Mars. Venus and Mars. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and so he ended up meeting uh, Jack Kirby. Okay. And uh, and Jack Kirby's daughter was a huge fan. Okay. And so uh, they got front row seats to mm. uh, to a Wings concert. Cool. And then afterwards, uh, the uh, family went backstage, and uh, and Jack Kirby did a uh, drawing of Paul and Linda. Oh, nice. Yeah. It would nice. be interesting to see. Yeah, like, yeah, Paul was a huge fan of uh, okay. Marvel comics. Okay, yeah, yeah. A lot that's of... the only. That's the only thing I know. So there you go. Cool. I know a joke about wings, but I'm not going to say it. Ah. I put a little bonus song on. Okay, it's not my favorite. Is the bonus song, your joke about wings. No, uh, <laughs> this is not my favorite song. But I just thought it's sort of in the vein of this, and 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 I thought there were better songs, so I left it out of the out of the top five. But you know, you're never going to hear the song in your life, in your entire life. Okay. So I might as well play it for you. So at least you can say, I've heard a song by the 1910 Fruit Gum Company mm-hmm. from the 1968 album Simon Says, which featured the hit song Simon Says. Right. Which is on is on Goofy Greats or one of those? Oh, uh, no, it's not. Oh, okay. I don't think it is. Okay. Do you know that? Here's a uh, little... Maybe it is. I don't know. Now you're making me wonder. it might be. Let, one, me, let me take a look at this. All right. It has, it has Yummy, Yummy, Yummy and One, Two, Three, Red Light, but I don't think it has Simon Says on Goofy uh, Okay. Let's, uh, I'm going to take a look. But I'm curious now that you've said that. Yeah, you should be curious. It's, uh, here's a little game we all can play. Yes, it is. Oh, is it? Yep. It is. Uh, yep. It's on the B side. It is track number four. Oh, cool. So in, there's, be- in between so there's three Green different... Tambourine yeah. and Manamana. This is sound, this doesn't sound like Goofy Greats. Yeah, it's Goofy Greats. No, I'm going to tell you the Goofy Greats track list real quick. Okay, you tell me if uh, whatever. Okay, Goofy Greats. Yep, 1975. Okay, on K Records. Yep, Side A. Yep, uh, Snoopy versus the Red Baron. Okay, Itsy Bitsy Teeny Weeny Yellow Book Kadapakini. Yep. Bread and Butter. Yep, Mule Skinner Blues. Yep, Rocket Robin. Yep, Alley Oop. Okay, Loop to Loop. Yep. Yummy Yummy Yummy. Yep, Little Green Bag. Okay, Lion Sleeps Tonight. Yep, Surfing Bird. Chewy Chewy. That is the first. Oh, I don't remember Lion Sleeps Tonight being on there, but okay. Okay. Side B. Yeah. Ahab the Arab. Wait, is there only two sides to this album? Uh, let me keep going. I got uh, an A side and I got a B side. Okay. So this is the different version of the of the record. So there was, I have the double album. Okay. That has four sides. And and you don't think this song was on I don't any think of those Simon, four sides. Si- Simon Says is on that one. I don't okay, think so. Okay. Well, here's, this, here's side B. You okay. tell me. Okay. Ahab the Arab. Okay. Uh, then you made me say that twice. The name game, Green <laughs> yeah. Tambourine, Simon okay. Says, Manamana, See You Later, Alligator, Beep Beep, 
The Birds and the Bells, Nashville Cats, Mr. Custer, Boney Maroney, and 123 Red Light. Okay. So two songs from the 1910 Fruit Gum Company are on this album. Yeah, but, but it, didn't, it had Yummy Yummy Yummy, right? Yummy 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 was on the side High Express, yeah. okay, yeah. Ah, oh, yeah, I don't remember uh, Mr. Custer on there. I don't remember... Nashville Cats for sure isn't on there. The Eleven Spoonful song is not on there. Uh, beep Beep isn't on there. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, I'm going to... I know that I have two different... I have an alternate version of Goofy Greats on record as well as the one I remember having as a kid. Okay. Um, and so I'll have to look and see. I'll, I'll take a look at that. I'm going to... Well, we'll investigate this, this further. This is a mystery. It's a mystery that must be solved. Exactly. It is a mystery that must be solved. Okay. Because for one thing... Here's one thing, though. Because... Uh, I remember it from the commercial. KTEL had different rules in Canada than it had internationally. So it, when it produced the album in Canada, it had to include Canadian artists on it. Yes. So that's why we had like Lobo and stuff on the album. Those you didn't find. Like if you bought a KTEL album in the States or in Britain, yeah. it would have local acts. Like it would have like acts that were American or British on those on those collections. And so um, it would change the the uh the, the list depending where it was right. done so okay that could have affected it as well all right i'm 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 going to uh while we're doing this i'm yeah. going to silently sure look at the commercial for it because i remember an illustration of simon oh, okay says uh, okay on the, on the all thing. right all right uh let's uh let's play this let's uh, play let's the song this is um Wait, just have to turn my phone back on. This is, uh, like I said, nineteen ten Fruit Gum Company from Simon Says, nineteen sixty eight. This is the year two thousand and one. Okay, here we go, everybody. the old-timey sound yeah it's fun it's a fun it, song it's it just, is i mean that's a, the description of the song yeah it's a fun is song it fun? Yeah, it's fun. not as great as the other songs i chose as a top five in my opinion but do they have any hit okay. hits 1910 fruit gum company yeah you just said that wait one two three red light i don't know that song i know it from the greats that's what i know that song. yeah it was a big hit okay it's a big hit and then um uh simon says with a big hit 
Like these songs were big hits. Okay. That's why they're on Goofy Greats. That's why I'm asking. And then they also did Indian Giver, which was a big hit. Okay. Not so great nowadays, but uh, the time considered great. And then uh, I think that was it for them. Takes your mind off Ahab the Arab. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah. All right. I'm looking at the ad right now for mm. Goofy Greats. Yeah. Uh, the first thing that comes up is Yummy, Yummy, Yummy. Yeah. All right. This is a commercial. Then Yellow Polka Dot Bikini. Yep, there sure. we great go. Song, I'm yeah. seeing her. Little dog's got Br- the bikini. Brian Highland. Alley Oop is there. There we go. The lady's hitting the lady with the thing. Hey, hey, have once again. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so. Simon says. It's in the oh, commercial. Okay. I, I, I don't remember. It's, it's in my head okay. from, from being a It kid. could be. I just don't remember it being on the album, but, but maybe I might not have liked it as much as I, I love. Because I love Yummy, Yummy, Yummy. Surfing Bird and the name game. Oh, Surfing Bird. such a great which song. Which are not uh, on the uh, album that I, I mentioned to you just then. Yeah, yes, it was. You said those was names. Was Surfing Bird? Yep. Well. Shows what my memory is. Yeah, that's where I first heard Surfing Bird, and I just love that song as a kid. And also the Fenderman's uh, Mule Mule Skinner Blues is a crazy song as well. But I don't remember those songs. Some of the songs you listed from on the side, so-called side B, I don't remember those at all. Uh, I have to go and look at my record. I mean, my my by my by the way, my memory is not infallible, so I could be very because you didn't say the Standells Dirty Water. That is on Goofy Greats. My Goofy Greats has Standells Dirty Water. All right. Um. Boney Maroney is on there. Okay. You did say... Well, I've sent you the link that I uh, I had, and I've also sent you the original ad. Original okay. ads, original stars. All right. Thank you. All right. You're very welcome. I don't know if those are the American ads or Canadian ads, so that's the difference, of course. We will see. Uh, Dave. Yeah. So is that segment now... That segment is dead and done. Lovely. I hope everyone enjoyed the conceit of future past. So let me get to our mailbag. Oh, let oh, me I thought get it was to witty. our mailbag. The mailbag from last week has the following questions in it. <laughs> Have you ever broken a bone? Uh, why did I write about that? Oh, yeah, because I did. Uh, <laughs> what was your favorite cartoon as a kid? And how would you rate the great Looney Tunes directors? But, you know, you can also write about whatever the hell else you want. Yeah. And we're going to be cool with it. Sure. First question, come, uh, answer comes from Lisa Williamson, the co-host <laughs> of... Horse Mysteries. Horse Mysteries. And the co uh, Conspirator. Uh, spouse oh. of uh, your house. Um, <laughs> she has a question number one. A few years ago, following a bucking incident with a horse, mm. I went and got x rays done, and at the time was told I had not broken any ribs. But a few visits later, I saw another doctor who looked at my file and told me I had broken some ribs. Mm. So I guess I did. <laughs> it felt like it anyway. Yeah. I also had a serious fall. Yeah. Do you? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I also had a serious fall a few decades ago based on all the issues that have uh, risen since. It's uh, highly likely I fractured some vertebrae, uh, but since I never had x-rays, but uh, but I have never had x-rays. Likewise, pretty sure I've broken my collarbone twice, but I've never gone for x-rays. Same with the ring finger on my left hand and one of my toes. That was from dancing in the kitchen, not horse-related. <laughs> Dancing with a horse in the kitchen. She was dancing with a horse in the kitchen. Oh, I like that song on Goofy Greats. Mm-hmm. Hey, dancing with a horse in, in the, the kitchen. Don't let the horse step on your foot in the kitchen. You will have a broken little toe. Yeehaw. On at least three occasions, I've had different physiotherapists say to me, I can't believe you're just walking around like that. So maybe I have a high pain threshold. But don't talk to me when I have a blister. Those things hurt. Yeah, when I went to the uh, when I went to the uh, urgent care, uh, I was getting attended to. But next door, uh, there was a woman who had gout. Ooh. And I was like, oh boy, I remember that. My time with gout, that was worse. Mm. Question number two. I like Bugs Bunny. 
Wacky Races, Jetsons, and Brocky and Bullwinkle. And for Saturday morning cartoons, Scooby-Doo was my favorite, but I also like Fat Albert a lot. Yep. Solid choices. Yep. Uh, and Louise, our friend Louise, Louise. we mentioned, uh, replies yep. to Lisa. Lisa, you are the Jackie Chan of Aldergrove. <laughs> I uh, I once broke a toe uh, on a leg, uh, the leg of a wooden chair, that mm. is. My toe swelled up and turned purple, so I went to the ER. They did an x-ray and confirmed the break, but they didn't even tape it up. Yeah. So I don't feel as though I even got the full fracture experience. <laughs> it would have been fun to have a teeny tiny cast that people would have to use a jeweler's loop to sign. <laughs> I remember being a fan of Josie and the Pussycats, Wacky Racers, and the Fantastic Four. Yeah, it'd be fun to go to that per- There used to be a person who would like write your name on a grain of rice. Mm. They'd be a good person to write stuff on that little cast. Just get their little uh, jeweler's thing out. Um, Edward Dragansky writes. That's nice when we get to Edward Dragansky. Yep. Yeah, always a treat. Hello, sneakers. <laughs> I had uh, one seriously broken bone when I was in middle school. Oh. I broke my ankle playing kickball two houses down the block from my friend's house. We had pieces of wood for bases, and I slid into one, and my ankle went behind me, and I sat on it with a snap. Ooh. Snap, snap. Uh, the week, oh, snap. The week before, I faked being hurt to get out of a school meeting. <laughs> so my mom thought I was faking again with the broken oh, no. ankle and made me walk home on it. Ooh, the boy who cried wolf had to walk home on the ankle. Uh, My folks went out uh, television shopping, and when they returned home, my ankle was five sizes bigger from the swelling. I wore that cast for at least eight weeks uh, while my ankle healed, but it seemed like forever. I bet your mom felt bad. When my sister broke her arm, my parents didn't uh, believe it was broken either. Really? Yeah, it's weird. They were like, oh, no, you're fine. And then, like, later on, uh, she was still crying in yeah, the yeah. evening and then took her to the hospital. Uh, they, yeah, they felt uh, shit about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've also fractured both my elbows at two different times, and all they could do for me was put my arm into a sling. The fractures weren't huge, so they mended faster than the ankle did. I tore some muscles in my foot going off a water slide when I was in my 40s. I think in some ways that was more painful than a broken bone. It was also way, took way longer to fully heal. Yeah. Yeah. That's too bad. There's a new water slide in town, and uh, I'm not going down it. But it's never uh, open. It's always, like, shut down. Where's this? This is um, uh, Emily uh, Daly Pool. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. they have a pool. Yeah. They have a the pool, pool, and they shut down for a couple of months to build this water slide. Yeah. And they got all this promotion for the water slide there, like, 15 minutes of guaranteed... Not 15 minutes. 15 <laughs> seconds of guaranteed fun. Yeah. And it's, like, exciting. Da, da, da. Closed. Closed. <laughs> Boy, yeah. we're getting the corpses out of it. That's no good. I can't single out one cartoon because I love them all, especially the new lineup in the fall for Saturday morning. Oh, it was such a good deal. It was such a big deal back then. You had to be up at 7 a.m. so you wouldn't miss anything. I remember they used to have primetime specials to promote sneak previews of the new Saturday morning shows. I remember that too. Yeah, that was like kind of, you know, the yeah, it was the previews of, of the time where mm-hmm. you go like, Let's see what the trailer is. I remember the one for Shazam was like, holy crap, that looks amazing. <laughs> um uh, the reviews of the new Saturday morning shows, and there were ads in the comics and in the newspaper. Mm. There were full page spreads with all the times and illustrations for each cartoon. I also remember not knowing what to do if two cartoons were on at the same time on two separate channels. Hard decisions had to be made. Blue Falcon and Dynamut, which is my favorite, as well as Super Friends or Spidey and his amazing friends. I also watched all the Sid and Marty Croft stuff religiously. They also had a cartoon called Wheelie and the Chopper Bunch I liked when I was really young. I, I saw a comic of that cartoon years later, and to my surprise, it was illustrated by John Byrne. Yeah. 
Uh, think, <laughs> thinking back, I always confuse that one with Turbo Teen. Uh, thinking back, I have to say, overall, I look forward to the Fantastic Four cartoon more than anything. The one where the Human Torch was replaced by Herbie. Uh, oh, I'm trying to remember what Herbie stands for. Let's see if I can nerd out. Humanoid Experimental Robot B-Type Integrated Electronics. Thank you. Uh, the robot, uh, then I was missing the torch, so that didn't end well. I didn't see the older Hanna-Barbera Fantastic Four cartoons until years later when visiting my grandparents in Chicago. Here was the deal with the Human Torch and why he was not on that. Okay. Some people would say, like, oh, you don't want kids to, like, catch on fire. Oh, yeah. Wrong. It was that they had sold the torch uh, to another, uh, like, uh, company. Okay. And so he was going to have his own show. Mm. Much like The Thing had their own show uh, with Fred and Barty Meet The Thing, which was uh, awful. Uh, during the week, uh, we, and got replaced, I think, with the shmoo. Uh, during oh, the, yeah. the, the week, we had Slam Bang Theater from our local affiliate, KTVT, hosted by Icky Twerp. Uh, from memory, they showed a Hanna-Barbera cartoon, a Three Stooges short, and then a Jay Ward cartoon, all before school. I can still hear the theme song in my head. It was, Oh, Didn't He Ramble, not by Louis Armstrong, from a 1959 LP called Bill Cullen's Minstrel Spectacular. Every kid remembers that theme if he grew up with Slam Bang Theater. In case you want to hear it, we have a link there. At noon, there was Cartoon Carnival with no host on the same channel. That's when they played Looney Tunes and Warner Brothers or MGM cartoons. The good stuff. (laughs) Speaking of the good cartoons, I'll get Tex Avery out of the way first. I can remember waiting uh, for some of his hits like Magic Maestro or any of the other Spike versus Blank to find their way onto my television. I laughed so hard at those. No one did Dynamite Explosions or Anvils better than Tex. Last, <laughs> but not by a hair, H-A-R-E, oh, uh, my all-time champion was Bugs Bunny with yeah. Daffy as his foil or anyone willing to match wits, match wits with him. Nothing beats Rabbit Fire, Duckamuck, Duck Rabbit Duck, or Rabbit Hood by the great Chuck Jones and Michael Maltese. Years before the eyelashes. I crack up every time Ian says that. (laughs) Animation gold and still funny to this day. Bugs and company were the kings to me. Uh, Have a great weekend, fellow sneakers, and an even better week to follow. That's all, folks. Nice. But there's a response. Oh, réponse. By Lisa. Oh, my wish. She's back. (laughs) Can't keep her away from Uh, I hope she's okay. Oh, there was more, no more horse, horsing around in the kitchen. <laughs> in- interesting that Edward noted uh, that the muscle tear seemed worse than the broken bones. In the olden days when I was young, I guess at least in part because I was uh, around horses so much, broken bones seemed to be considered so much worse than anything else. Maybe because of that old they shoot horses for broken legs thing, which was still much part of the lore and medical practice at the time. Although we did have a horse who spent the whole winter in a cast one year and then successfully returned to the racetrack to run for many more years. Hmm. Make a movie about that. (laughs) But recently, in conjunction with horses, and I would guess the same is likely true for humans, uh, in non-complicated fractures, there is uh, is a little memory aid that we use when we were talking about the prognosis following one of these injuries. And that is, there is a correlation between the number of letters of the tissue involved and the number of months of recovery time needed. Okay, here we go. Simple bone break, four months. Tendon, so bone, four. Tendon issues, six months. Mm -hmm. Muscle problems, six months. Mm -hmm. Ligament issues, 
eight months. Again, these are just ballpark figures for uncomplicated injuries in horses, but possibly also a useful timeline for humans. But it surprised me to learn that bones heal the fastest. Interesting. Have the best blood supply. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Nice. They have they have a vascular system, whereas tendons and ligaments, in particular, ligaments, they don't really have much blood supply to them, so it's harder, harder for the We're learning stuff. Themselves. Good for us. <laughs> Mick Elliott. Maybe Mickle's going to teach us something now. Yes. Come on, Mick. 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 Come on. Smarten us up, Mick. Uh, hi, gents. Fine, uh, firstly, i got to say I loved your theological discussion a couple episodes back. It was so great to hear views about the interpretation of religious texts being discussed with equal parts passion and respect. And despite your different opinions, neither of you declared a thousand-year war on each other. <laughs> I can see the makings of a spin-off podcast, The Gospel According to Sneaky Dragon? Hmm. I managed not to break any bones until three years ago when I slipped on wet stairs oh, the chills, while carrying <laughs> our newly arrived puppy oh, oh, no, man. out in the yard to poop. Oh, my God. The dog was fine. I had two broken ribs. Oh, my God. Uh, it could have been much worse had I landed on my spine, but I would not recommend a broken rib to anybody. It introduces wincing discomfort to the mo- uh, to every moment of the day, and there is nothing you can do but dull the pain with uh, paracetamol. Uh, using the bathroom is especially agonizing. Oh, yeah. Ew, ew. I thought of that, ew, yeah. Oh, tell me about it. It's one of those things that doesn't matter what you injure, then you realize, oh, my God, I use my pinky so much, or whatever, you know, whatever yeah. you've injured. You just like, you don't ta- realize it. I was talking to my wife about this because, like, I have to get her to open jars for me now. <laughs> and she was going, yeah, like, there's a lot of things you do where your pinky is kind of like how you ground everything. Yeah, yeah. It does take a lot of pressure. Yeah. And it's like all these, like, uh, these drugs that I take, including, like, a painkiller, it's like they're all uh, child-proofed. So it's like, <laughs> which also means they're, like... Pinky proof. Yeah, so, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Honey, come help me with my with my with my, with my, my bottle. My bottle, please, please. <laughs> I can't do the child blue block. <laughs> Back to McElliot. Favorite cartoon as a kid was always Bugs Bunny. I nice. loved all the Looney Tunes, though I agree with Ian that Foghorn Leghorn was a bullying shithead. <laughs> and I can remember, even as a kid, thinking that there was something gross about Peppy Le Pew. The cat seemed so nice, and it always bugged me that Peppy wouldn't leave her alone. Way before I had any idea that this was serial sexual harassment. <laughs> what a time to be a kid. Mick. Yeah, you know what, though? You can't get him on those charges because he's a skunk. And you can only charge humans. This is the problem. <laughs> That's the problem, all right. I like the one that uh, also made him not French. Yeah. Like he was just a guy faking the accent the whole time. <laughs> then you see, you see his wife and kids. I'm like, oh, it's good. That's, oh, sorry. <laughs> That's pretty awful. Yeah. All right. I got some, I've say? got some emails to read. If you well, why don't you read them, Dave? I got. I was. I have nothing read to say. Read in the emails. That's Dave style. Well, that's what I do when I'm not listening. Okay. <laughs> this is from Mark. Hey, Mark. Dobrovolsky, and he says, "Hi, David." But let me just tell you, it says the subject is mailing address mm-hmm. and well wishes for Ian. Oh, okay. That's nice. I'll take both. He says, uh, hi, David. I'm forwarding my mailing address for a Sneaky Dragon sticker based on my question submitted for episode 550. Wasn't sure if you had this from previous correspondence, but I'm a bit tardy as you're already on episode 562. <laughs> but hey, why rush the thrill of the arrival of a sneaky sticker? Well, thank you for reminding me that I'm also very late at getting these things out. I apologize, everybody. He says, I sincerely hope Ian is feeling better after his recent spill. He doesn't need that splint. Think of all those hockey players with fingers bent every which way after sustaining fractures and breaks. No effing splints for them. Soldier on, Ian. (laughs) 
I've read about how in one of the Scandinavian countries, maybe Norway, they're teaching people how to fall in classes to minimize damage when they find themselves upended. This holds particularly sorry, this holds particular value for those of a more advanced age, but really any gravity challenged person can benefit. They even had videos of how to properly fall. Practicing seems to be the key. I was very interested in this a while back when I fell while mountain hiking and tore up my arm. Ooh. Doctor said it looked like chopped meat. Oh, that's thanks. a bad doctor. <laughs> well, doctor, don't say that. Come on, doctor. He says, thanks for the warm bedside manner, doc. Oh my God. Twist, twist, twist. That's the primary recommendation as you start falling. Ugh. Hopefully the twist has you absorb the fall with a shoulder or butt cheek while avoiding a face plant. I've practiced this on a very soft carpet and gym mats, <laughs> and it seems to help somewhat. Whatever. I'm sending Ian most positive vibes for rapid healing, right down to his fingertip. Keep up what you two do best, entertaining the hell out of us by being yourselves. Best, Mark D. Oh, that's Thank nice. you, Mark. My uh, my wife uh, read something in a comic once where like a uh, Wolverine uh, told like someone else, you know, when they're falling, go limp. Mm. And at one point, she uh, was falling down a stairwell. And uh, remembered that and went, go limp. And so she went limp and it uh, helped her. That's, yeah. that's good. That's, I think, probably why... It affected her head at the same time. Why drunken was... people don't injure themselves as much as they, they don't tense up when they fall because they have no idea what the hell's happening to them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I remember the coach for the BC Lions, our local football team here in Canada, for a CFL football team. We've discussed the CFL on the show before. We won't go into that. Um, but he was on the, on the local sports show and he was saying that he thought that one problem that athletes are having if injuries was that they didn't learn as kids to fall the way that kids used to learn because kids would play rough and you know have play Mm. fights and stuff like that and part of that was falling down and i know as growing up i was a a fantastic faller as a kid i loved to do stunts and pretend to fall and and do things like that and you know when i was riding with lisa you know i had some spectacular dumps off horses and i never injured myself and I think part of that was because I didn't know how to fall. Like, I remember one time coming off a horse at quite a speed. And it was kind of funny because Lisa happened at that moment to look back because she thought, oh, this is a bad spot. This he, uh, The horse probably shied, which it did. And I ended up riding beside it for a while uh, as I floated through the air. So just as you turned to look, Ugh. I was riding beside the horse. Oh. And then I fell, but I fell, as I fell backwards, I leaned back and landed on my shoulder, which is a nice spot to land on where you're less likely to injure yourself. And yeah, you just kind of have to learn uh, uh, to how, how you're going to fall as a, you know, and that can help you sometimes. And I know that for me, that's been been an aid to my constant hurting myself or po- possible possibilities of hurting myself. Mark also included his address, but little did he well, know, let's hear it. little did he know that I already had it, so his sticker may already be oh. in his possession. I don't know. Uh, we have another email from Will Harwell. Oh, nice. Will writes to say, "Hello, gentle things." I've noticed I'm u- sorry. I've noticed I'm using "hello" more often since I rearranged <laughs> some bookshelves, and it took well over an hour because some of those books were my Pogo collection, mostly inherited from Mum. And it's really, really hard to pick up a Pogo book and not page through it. Of course, "view hello" comes up regularly in the strips. I still hope to have a situation occur that lets me use Albert's phrase that nine-year-old me found incapacitatingly hilarious. What in the foggy blue-eyed morning is going on here? But I digress. Maybe I should have said that in an Albert voice. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. What in the foggy blue-eyed morning is going on here? But I digress. It seems like it's possible to begin a message with a digression, and I found a way to do it. Apologies? 
No, no need to apologize. Since that's <laughs> basically our, our whole dumb show. Excuse me, just one second. <clears throat> I have a list of a bunch of things to respond to from previous shows, and I totally understand if you don't remember the context of these. It's been hours. <laughs> it's been hours of show and many weeks across them. Show number five hundred forty-eight. Read Stephen King. I went through a King phase at the same point as David, beginning in eight. Eighth grade or Knuckley, grade eight. That's correct. Grade eight is the proper way to say it. Yeah. Top five King books in no particular order Misery, The Gunslinger, The Stand, Night Shift, which I would put higher, and On Writing, which I've never read. On Writing. That's good. I read Dance Macabre, which was a book because at that time I had joined a book club, like a, like a kind of Columbia House book club kind of idea where I got some books for free. And so I bought I bought Dance Macabre through that, and also Cujo through that through that program. And I thought Dance Macabre was okay; it was not that exciting. But um, yeah, I don't know what I would put in there. So I would okay. I'll just slightly just make mine up on the spot here. Uh, Dead Ringer, mm-hmm. Night Shift, Firestarter, Different Seasons. Is that five or is that four? And then I'll put I'll put um, I'll put Salem's Lot okay. as the last one in there. I'm gonna I'm gonna say to you if you do get around to writing a novel, um, which <laughs> yeah. is fine and you should. Uh, it's it's really well worth reading the on writing. First. Okay, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's fun. Yeah, it sounds like, interesting. I okay. actually listen. I listened to the um, a book on tape. Is it read by by yeah, King? Yeah, oh, that's King. interesting. Yeah, so he's, he throws a lot into it. You can tell he really cares about mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. it's a fun. It's a fun listen as well. I've got the uh, book as well. Mm-hmm. If you ever want to borrow it, sure, well, sure, sounds great. Uh, Will goes on to say, regarding the body slash stand by me, the dead kid is no MacGuffin. Ray Brower shows up posthumously. He's from a nearby town, so the boys don't know him personally, but he's their age. All four of them end up changed by the journey and from seeing the body itself. It's a bit of a buildings, buildings Roman in miniature, maybe. Not a full coming of age, but a transformation for sure. And a very good story. That's why that book's in my top five. Show number 555. I was lucky enough to find SCTV at some point in season four on NBC one Friday night, and I was eternally smitten. Episodes that repackaged the early seasons with Ramus, Duke, and Rosado were difficult to understand cast and content-wise for the 90-minute form, but I only understood what happened years later when I saw the original season one and two episodes as first aired. I was a fanatic for Bob and Doug McKenzie, a moderately unreliable source of Canadiana. My brother and I did fantastic renditions of Bob, him, and Doug me. I taped Great White North Bits on audio cassette. I bought the album. I saw the movie half a dozen times in theaters, and I still get excited if I see something on YouTube about them or the phenomenon those characters became. So, you have the album, yes. YouTube is the place I watched most sketches or episodes when the mood strikes. That is a good idea. I never thought of doing that. I did show people at work the uh, Babe Ruth one with John Candy and the kid in the in the uh, hospital room. Okay. Because we were talking about yeah. Babe Ruth for some reason, and I brought that up, and then I was like, oh, you haven't seen that? It's so great. So <laughs> I made them watch it. I hardly had an inside the park home run, babe. <laughs> She's so shit. Less harness. Because it used to be kid. That's a real. <laughs> Make me smile. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> That's great. I hardly recommend SCTV Remembers to fans who haven't seen it. And it's on YouTube, so it's an easy find. It's wonderful to see, to see them, mostly, all together again, but especially watching Eugene Levy perpetually bemused by Joe Flaherty's kid-like delight in your flawless recall of seemingly every moment of show production. Favorite SCT mo- SCTV moment? 
Actually, the Guy Caballero check-forging episode with Fred Willard <laughs> is full of wonderful moments. Not to mention, it's one of the best overall framing stories set at the studios. I'll never not laugh watching an angry, serious Fred Willard. And where else have you ever seen that? Try to explain to Perini Scleroso, Andrea Martin's affable immigrant character, how he's been ripped off. Willard, taxes, taxes, no, no pay taxes, no make money. Scleroso, no more war. Attica, Attica. <laughs> I have more, but I should probably write a part, part two. Will, markets for schoolwork and taxes, Harwell. I uh, I can't hear Fred Willard's name without thinking Guy Calvillero saying it. <laughs> like it's just like so. Who's got a lot of money? Fred Willard, yeah, Fred Willard, yeah. He's got a lot. Yeah, Fred Willard's rich. Oh, Fred Willard. Yeah, that's a hundred percent. That's great. That's great. That's my Fred Willard. Uh, we got one more letter. Please do. I got to tell Fred Willard he was funny once, and oh, I was very happy. Was he happy to hear that? He was very happy to hear it. I'm sure he was. He probably yeah. didn't hear it enough. It was, uh, I'll just say, it was at uh, Just for Laughs uh, at uh, 1999, and it was an alternative comedy festival. And he was kind of a very, you consider him a very mainstreamy guy yeah. at the time. And so uh, it was like, oh, we're very lucky today to have uh, a very uh, well-known comedian you know, from his TV work and does some things for uh, kids television now and mm-hmm. stuff. And uh, here's Fred Willard. And Fred Willard comes out and he's yeah. so gentle and kind. He's like, listen up, motherfuckers. I want to tell you the hard fucking truth. You <laughs> cocksuckers don't understand. And like, just, just went into just the most hardcore thing. Just just, just confronting people in the audience. Yeah, scared listen, straight. Listen, fuck face. You... <laughs> yeah, it was, it was great. Was and great. the only place that you'd ever see Fred Willard do that. <laughs> All right. So this uh, letter, the subject is... Bill overdue. <laughs> Husband offers his wife to African tribesmen to find elongation secret. What? Okay. Uh, the uh, sub subheading is African priest gives white man elongation secret. It goes on to say, this hot chick made a startling video for all men over 55. <laughs> and let me just say, dot, 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 it's all adult content to say the least. But if you're a man over 55, you need to see this video. Okay, here, I'm confused because I'm yeah. 55. Yeah. So do I need to see it? Yes. Or it's, wait, no, 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 no. Yeah. No. What? It's like, if you're like older than 55. Oh, yes. No, not yet. You do, though. I have to see this. Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, very yeah. Good. I'll, let, I'll give you a moment. <laughs> because this video has information on something every man needs to hear. You'll know exactly what I mean when you see it. But let me warn you, dot, 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 parts of this are a little risque and shouldn't be viewed at work. But if you've got the guts to watch this presentation, I assure you, you'll be very pleased with what she has to show. Smiley face emoji. Then it says, click here now. And then under that, he says, I just want to mention, this isn't for the faint of heart. It's not PG and should be seen by mature audiences only. <laughs> well, yeah, it's all guys, it's lot, over, uh, guys over 55. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So that's... Mature. That's a mature audience. I don't know how mature I am. Well, yeah, me neither. Sure you are. <laughs> Not much. Anyway, I, I, I kind of enjoyed that uh, email. I'm surprised. No, it's just a Rick Astley video. <laughs> you got Rick rolled. Um, it's funny about those video about those sort of emails. Is like just the idea that they work and they must because they still send them out. Sure. They, they would go away if they didn't. Like, sure, sure, sure. I feel it's very it's less common now to get like the the person from africa who has 50 million dollars or whatever to try to get get out of the country yeah that's not very common anymore 
but this still is is a thing. I noticed the new thing now is like to get a text message, and it's like, "Did you get the money I sent you?" <laughs> you know, like the kind of weird, like little. It's just like a real short thing, like you know, right. obviously just wanting you to click or whatever that happens. Yeah, there was one that was like uh, you get a phone call, and it was like a question that you would answer a yes to. Okay, it was something like, uh, "Is this your phone number?" And it was a recording, mm. and it would let you go, "Yeah, yes." I was like, "Okay." So now they can use that yes to accept oh. other things, and it's like oh, okay, it's your okay. voice. And yeah, he accepted the charges for this. He accepted the this. He accepted oh, okay, the that. okay. So you never say yes on a on a phone call. Okay. Yeah, if you don't know who the person is. Uh-huh. There you go. Interesting. Is that everything for? That was all the emails we got this week. Thank you everyone for writing so that I could read them. I was just looking up uh, one of. The th- I was looking up a thing about like Stephen King because I really like the um, on writing as I said. But this is one of the tips that was like, huh? That you hear this and you go like. That makes sense. It's also annoying because it means I could do it, but it's annoying. Yeah. So it's one of these where like, you know, it's almost like all the descriptions you just made about the penis elongation uh, (laughs) thing. It's just like, I could tell it to you, but it's going to make you annoyed Mm -hmm. because it's the truth. But it's a tip that might allow you to make that novel and you'll do it and you could. But do you want to hear it? Because it's not safe because it'll frustrate you because you'll go, damn it, that is doable. Shit. (laughs) Which is uh, one of his tips, which is uh, he likes to write 10 pages a day. Yeah. I believe believe that. You know, over a three-month span, that amounts to uh, 180,000 words. Mm. That's the first draft of a book. Even a long one, he says, should take you no more than three months, the length of, uh, of a season. And if you spend too long on a piece... He believes the story takes uh, on an odd foreign feel to it. Okay. So, you know, you, you keep a nice tightness to uh, to your story. Mm. If, but uh, if you can write 10 pages a day, that is not the easiest thing in the world to do. But it sounds doable. And I remember, like, George R.R. R. Martin was asking him about that. Yeah. I was just like, so how much do you write? How do you do it? And he's like, I just write this amount a day. And every day? Yeah. George, <laughs> you can just send George R.R. Martin like, okay. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. he's like, Stephen King was just like, so just do it. So just do. And then the dragon walks in and goes, by the way, <laughs> I want the throne. Yeah, yeah. I'm a talking dragon. Like, it doesn't matter at this point. Ugh. Oh, and my name's Lannister. What? Yeah, one of your ancestors fucked a dragon like a hundred years ago. Make a book out of that sometime. Anyway, I'm the king. <laughs> And so yeah. the dragon was king. The end. Yeah. I mean, there's that kind of writer who's very matter-of-fact about it. That was Trollope as well, right? Who wrote 2,500 words. Also Trollope. 2,500 words every day. No matter what, where he was, what he was doing, yeah. you know, his, he, had his, he had his manservant wake him up at 5 o'clock in the morning every day right. to do his writing. But he would write on a train. He'd write, it, write on a boat. Nothing stopped him. Right. And people were like, why are you getting on a train and a boat? Because like, I got to write. <laughs> I'm trying to get write at home. He said, no, because I'm trying to get away with this guy who's offering me green eggs and ham. <laughs> Just have some. <laughs> no, it's when green. I'm done, when I'm done with, with, with my own. <laughs> so that's just a little tip. Okay, that's so a good tip. Uh, uh, question. Just do it. It's basically the tip. Do you have a question? I don't have a question yet. Here's a question I have. Okay. It's unrelated to most of the things we were saying today, but <laughs> I just right. want to know this. All right. What's your go to joke? When you oh, have to okay. tell a joke, mm. what's your go-to joke? Okay. Uh, there you go. So, uh, yeah, just a, a joke that uh, you like to tell if someone goes, hey, do you know any jokes? Because uh, it's very hard for me to just come up with a joke. 
<laughs> but yeah, do you have a go-to joke? That's question number one. Okay. So do you want the answer to be yes, or do you want to hear the joke? I want to hear the joke. Oh, That'd okay. Yes. It's just a whole bunch of people <laughs> going, yes. I don't know. Yeah, I was yes. just curious. Okay, here's a question I have. Oh, thanks. Goodness, I had nothing. Name a band that you would like to hear <laughs> yep. David's opinion about. Oh, I don't think... Might we'll... be a band that's been on the... <laughs> that we've played on the show. Yeah. Might be a band that we've never mentioned. Yeah. But let, name a band. Yeah. One that you like, one that you don't, whatever. Yeah. But you're just like, hey, what's Dave's thoughts? And Dave will sum up what he thinks of that band. And it could even just be, I don't know. But <laughs> it might be, oh, here's the thing. So uh, what's a band you'd like to hear David talk about for just a little bit? So, sure. Yeah. Yep. Done. Yep. I'll give you my opinion. If I know the band, I'll give you my opinion. And if you don't? Uh, I might still give my opinion. Be what yeah. <laughs> I might still give my opinion. Because <laughs> I'm opinionated. And that brings us to the end of this show. And by the way, everyone, here's Hachi the thing. Machi. Here's the thing. You're probably asking yourselves, I would love to ask David what he thinks of this band that I like a lot. And I hope he likes them because I don't want to hear him put them down on the show. But I'm willing to take the chance anyway of sending in this name. The Eagles. The Eagles. <laughs> what do you think of the Eagles, Dave? You've never mentioned them on the show before. Well, everyone, here's what you do. Go to our website. It's called stinkydragon.com. It's named after this show. That's what we did. That's called smart marketing. The one bit of marketing we did that was smart. The rest of it, failure. Dum, dum, dum. <laughs> but you can go to singledragon.com and leave your thoughts there. We have a, uh, well, I said we have a website. We have a Twitter presence. It's called sneak underscore dragon. That's a good, perfect place to write. Dave, what do you think of blah, blah? Or you can go to our Facebook page. It's called Sneaky Dragon. And we have an email which Ian mentioned earlier, it's sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. You may write semi-private missives to us there. Well, folks, you know we like doing this show, but another thing we like to do is go out and have dinner after, and that's what it is time for. So we're going to say goodbye to you, and hello, Burger. Stay safe. Hang loose. Hang tough. Hang ten. Hangman. I I got nothing else. I got, I'm hung up. I got nothing. Nothing. Hang dog. I'm done. Hangouts. <laughs> Let's go. Let's just go. I'm done. show where you talked about minutia and then some uh, really deep stuff and then uh, <laughs> had something real random at the end where you talked about something from the 70s <laughs> and then you struggled to come up with a question and went uh it's your favorite type of uh, color of band-aid i don't know something anything favorite pizza